Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of The Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Ash Thorpe. This is going to be episode 224. We're really getting up there in the numbers. Um, Super excited to have our guest on today. Uh, Steve Wong is on the show. He's a concept artist and I'm currently taking his class right now, uh, off and on in between time that I have. And it's really enjoyable. I'm having a lot of fun. I was referred to the class by my friend, Francois, and it's been so awesome to kind of learn and reinvigorate. I got so kind of lost in the three-dimensional, 3D realm, render realm, all that kind of stuff. And I've been wanting to get back into painting and drawing again. And uh, Steve's class really kind of opened up a couple really, uh, not a couple, a lot of really interesting things, some cool tools and stuff. And uh, I just really enjoyed it. So I figured he'd be a great guest and he was, it was awesome. And we talked about so many cool things um, about Art Center and his time uh, learning over in China and his parents and um, just kind of evolving himself through this experience and um, working at studios and now he's a freelancer. Um, I know that there's a lot of common threads that happen on this podcast, fully aware of that. And the reason why I think they come up a lot is because they're just common things that happen to most artists. And a lot of times we are asking the same questions from so many different people to see if the answers are the same. And oftentimes they are, but we really got into some cool stuff in this episode. So uh, let's begin. Uh, this is going to be episode 224 with Steve Wong. Let's begin. Um, I'm taking your class right now on Learn Squared and um, I'm just really enjoying it. I I was rec- it was recommended to me from another friend of mine. Um, he goes by Friendly Robot, but his name's Francois, and he took your class. Really loved it, and he was like, because um, he's been doing all his painting recently. I'm like, oh man, I miss painting so much. I get lost in the three D loophole of death, and then um, <laughs> so taking your like watching how you work is is really cool because I feel like you're very efficient, and you found these, these kind of interest i mean that's basically what your class is called i think right like concept design art yeah like hacking, or something. yeah yeah like hacking the system how did you come about that with your class um i took quite a bit i think it took about two or three months of just thinking about it on my off time and because here's the thing when momo asked me to do the class i was just thinking like holy crap like learn squared already has so many classes and plus if you if you account for all the other schools out there and, you know, and on gum roads and stuff like yeah. there's not too much I can really offer that's fresh. So then I was like, you know what, maybe I can just think about how like recently over the past two years, I've been basically doing a lot of keyframes and environment designs and to in order for them to do, do them fast, like I had to use 3d, I had to use photo, but personally I also kind of really drawn my, you know, drawn towards the painterly style. So then I was like, you know, throughout, throughout the past two years, I've been figuring out, how do I, first of all, you know, get faster at that? And at the same time, you know, how do I hide as much 3D as I can, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's a constant battle for me personally because like every day you're, you're going online and everyone's like learning VR and like Blender <laughs> and ZBrush and all that crazy stuff, 3D code. So for me to, for me to really balance my time between like, okay, learning that but also not forgetting, uh, Kind of like what I like uh, as a style. It's it's just it's a constant battle. Hmm. Yeah, it's tough, right? I mean, uh, <clears throat> this industry is 
quite interesting where we're all kind of, we're all living amongst one another, but we're all competing against one another as well. And, um, it's, yeah, it's kind of crazy because of the rapid rate of exchange of ideas now due to the internet, obviously. Yeah. But also just people like yourself sharing what you, what you've learned too. And then I, I appreciate that. I felt that when I took your class, like your objectivity to your position in life too, like you weren't, um, I could tell that you, you, you check your ego at the door, which is really good. Um, cause I think it's easy to get kind of wrapped up in things and not learn. So, um, your ability to kind of self critique is so important too. Um, it's a hard thing to do. I think, um, do you yeah, know where that comes from? Yeah. I think it's hard not to, when you're just surrounded by a lot of people like on the internet who are just really, really good. And I mean, I think, I think going back to that painting thing a little bit, I remember, a few years ago, I, I, you know, you know, Jamie Jones, right? Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Like Jamie, like guys like Jamie Jones or like Craig Mullins, like they have a very painterly style. And ever since I started painting, I, I was really drawn towards styles like that. So then I, I think I was faced with a, um, I guess a decision where it's like, okay, I know I only have so much time in the day and I just, maybe some people could do it, but I think if you were to put in most of your time in, let's say 3d or, uh, you know, like a software or maybe a technique or a, a discipline, even just in painting, like if you, if you spend all your time painting characters or drawing characters, it's actually very difficult to also be good at environments or also be good at keyframes. It, I'm, I'm sure like geniuses are out there, but for the regular, you know, regular artists it's probably a little bit difficult. So then I had to make a, make a conscious choice to, to, uh, I guess, you know, use my time wisely, which is I'm not going to go too deep into 3D because I'm painting over too much stuff anyways. I'm going to learn everything I, I can just to, um, you know, just to get the job done. And then wherever where I can paint over, I'll paint over. And once you start to do it, once I start doing that, I, I think I just realized like, oh, man, like I'm cheating a lot. And once I realized that, I'm like, OK, there's no there's no point for me to even have, you know too much ego or whatsoever, because I'm sure there's a lot of guys out there who can actually just paint this and they actually understand, um, color way better than me. They understand anatomy, but here I am like using, uh, like Mixamo or fuse or, um, photographs. I'm like, I'm, like, oh, I'm using all this stuff. I'm just faking it. So I, I don't really feel exactly too proud of it, but I think it gets the job done and, and it gets the story across, which is fine. Yeah. I think that's the thing. I remember, um, like back, uh, when maybe like Mullins was like kind of coming up. Um, people, I think in the digital art realm were like, you got to paint every pixel. And then when photo bashing became kind of came normal, it was kind of a, like a taboo thing. And then now it's kind of, it didn't like, I don't think people really care as much anymore. Right. I think so. Yeah. Do you, yeah. do you feel like at, right now we're at a point where like kind of anything goes, like it doesn't really mm -hmm. matter anymore. I think that's the beauty of it, it really does. And yeah. I think that now it's like, it's, it's, it's the development of, of the, I think of the scene. I think it's also the development of art globally is people are beyond the tool almost. And it's about your ideas now, which is what it always mattered anyways, but people yeah. get lost in the tools. And there's been this weird kind of infatuation with like what tools you use, what brushes you use and all that stuff. And it's valid. It's very valid. Um, but once you get past that, you realize like, okay, there's something good there. You gotta be more than that. And once you paint enough of the same things or you work on or build this enough, of the same things, and it's going to come down to like, okay, what makes you different from the others? And that's usually just your, your ideas and how you process your ideas, you know? So, yeah, for sure. Which, which I is think what it comes down to, you know, 
I think it's, it's especially apparent nowadays, right? With, with like Instagram and ArtStation or something like that. It's, it's, everybody is very good, like technically. And it's funny cause like I, that's, that's a critique I've been getting for maybe like the first six, seven years of like me started working or even, even in school, like everyone's telling me like, Hey, your stuff is technically pretty good, but then you have to, you know, it's it it starting to look the same as everyone else. So you have to kind of find your own, your own voice and your own, you know, your own flavor. Mm-hmm. And that's what I see in a lot of, um, a lot of work nowadays too, where it's like, you're kind of losing that flavor, but then it's very obvious. Like when you, when you know, like, Oh, you see, a, you see like a wall of art on our station, but you're like, ah, I know that's by like Mache. Like that's just Mache stuff, right? That's, there's no one else. That's Aitan Zana stuff. So those guys have developed their own thing. And I think that's what everybody should probably strive for. Yeah. It's a, I wonder what that is though. Cause I, I agree. It's almost like, um, it's like a music or something like a band. You're like, Oh, like that's that band or, that's Led Zeppelin or that's Red Hot Chili Peppers or yeah. that's, that's the different sounds. And I think a lot of it from my pers- my perspective comes down to um, the insecurities are willing, they're willing to be themselves um, even though they could be scrutinized, I guess, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, have you, have, have you, do you think you've developed like your own style when it comes to art and filmmaking? Uh, I think you have, no. but what, no, Okay. No, I think, well, um, I think for me, at least I, I, like, I don't even have an art station because I don't think I belong there. If that makes sense. <laughs> Not that I, cause there, there's people that are much better than I am. So I feel like I kind of, I don't, I feel like I'm just weird. I do weird stuff and I kind of just do my own thing. Um, and I try not to look at what people are doing too much and be concerned with it. I have to, I try to just look back at the things that I like, um, and why I do it, I guess. So I don't know if that means that I have that, but, uh, and it's not something I really care about, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think when you're creating things and you're being authentic to yourself is when you're just making what you want to make, you know? Right. And that's a byproduct. I think the the byproduct is you having an authentic touch to things. I wish I could, well, I shouldn't say I wish, I think we could all at this point, we could learn how to paint and draw and, we could all be our own Rembrandts if we wanted to, or we can be a Craig Mullins or not to say that these guys uh, aren't authentically amazing. But when I look at that, I don't go like, I wish I could paint like them. I just, I just, I appreciate that. I don't know if that right. makes sense. You know, it's like, I appreciate right. their work so much and I'm glad that they exist and that they've dedicated their life to their craft. Cause it, it puts, uh, they put themselves in the, they kind of make it so that we can look to that and go like strive for that, you know? So, mm. Yeah, it's crazy how how many how many people they've influenced just by doing art. Like, have you do you have an end goal to your art? Like, what do you think? Like, if you're like 80 years old, like, what do you think you want your art to to do? That's a great question, and I'm gonna ask that back to you. But I'll, <laughs> I'll answer you first. But I I think for me, um, and this is something that it's kind of like when the the impetus of creating Learn Squared back in the day it was like I wanted to be able to make anything at any time and not have to translate it through people. So I wanted to be able to go like, Oh, I have this idea for this thing. And then, and then if somebody's like, what? And I go, give me like a day and I'll show you, you know? Mm -hmm. And then like, whether it's 3d modeling to rendering to, so I, I think for me it was more or less like there's not enough time in the day to get all the ideas out in my head. I have so many of them. The biggest problem now is like how to have the discipline to stick to one main thing and kind of like, see it through, you know? So, right. 
that's the most difficult thing for me personally is the patience part. But, uh, but that's kind of my goal is to be able to literally like paint my thoughts from my head out outwards right. to the world. And how about yourself? Yeah, I think, uh, I think mine, mine is also that, right. Cause I, I still remember the first time, maybe this is maybe like three or four years ago, but I, I, the first time I felt like I can probably paint most things, at least I can create an image I want to in my head with mm. knowing the tools I, I have. Maybe not, I don't paint it or draw it from scratch, but at least I have the tools available to me to do it. And that was such a great feeling. And that's when I started doing a lot of personal work uh, without feeling like discouraged or um, unmotivated or whatever. But I think if I were to, if I was like 80 years old, I just want someone to, I guess, maybe, I'm not sure if digitally it'll, it'll work, but someone to look at a piece of mine and be like, oh, I don't, I don't mind having this on my wall. Mm. Yeah, because I think a lot of people would rather have traditional work on their wall like that's that's an art piece but then you have art, you have digital artists nowadays that are well for example like craig mullins or jamie jones that those 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 guys are you know they, their their style mimics traditional so it's it's very close but then you also have like guys like james jean actually yourself i have a poster of yours <laughs> on my wall in front of me right now right <laughs> yeah. so there's certain artwork mm. where you 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 want to put on your wall mm. and that's a high honor that's a very, very high honor, I think. And especially if it's a digital piece, especially if it's an artist as well. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 That's crazy. Yeah. And and I think like, even if you think about James Jean, for example, like James is, uh, like he very much has a style, but it's also kind of, um, in my opinion, I think it's a nice pull from a lot of different things that he's kind of managed to, to blend yeah. and had the discipline to develop over the years and stuff. So, um, the thing with those guys or the high level people, I'm always curious to see like, well, what's next, you know, like you, you obviously have this now. I'm curious to see like, where are you going to take that? You know? So, yeah, but for sure. not everybody has the drive and desire to kind of like create something completely new or authentic or take their style into different things. I, I had a couple artists that I really still admire and admire since I was in high school and they're still literally drawing the same thing. So right. I'm like, Oh, okay. And for me, I, there, there's so many other interests in life. So I think it's, it's like, it's never ending, but that's really interesting that your, the, the way that you would constitute the value of your, of your art is having it be something. Uh, that's a scary thing. Don't you think that's scary hmm. to put your, your happiness in the, the hands of, uh, acceptance of others? Yeah, no, hundred percent. I think, uh, <laughs> I think there's dangerous. part of it is you should, you should, yeah, exactly. Cause what if you could be the best artist in the world, but nobody could, you know, technically you could be the best and you love your own work, but then other people might not like it. So, you know what? It's a double-edged sword for sure, but I won't deny that it's a good feeling when people do like your stuff. Of course. And I, I don't, I, and I find it even more, way more than like if a client or like people in the industry like your stuff. But I think if, you know, like, like a comment from a kid, it usually hurts the most. Like, ah, you're, mm -hmm. like I remember I, I showed my cousin my Instagram and he's, he was like, back then he was like 12 years old and he was like, Hmm. Yeah, this looks really weird. I'm like, what do you mean? And I think it looks ugly. I'm like, ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> he, he meant it. He really meant it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause he doesn't have to, he's like, it's yeah. But at the same time, the irony of it is that like, it's his opinion, you know? So it is. Yeah. You know what? I think at, at, a, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm, I just try to remind myself to be pretty grateful that I'm doing this for a living and, and making a pretty good living that is right. So then Really, if people like it or not, it's, it's not my concern. And since I've achieved like a base level of, of being able to feed myself and my family, then the rest of it, it's 
it, it really is just extra for me. I try to maybe just kind of stay more grounded that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to look at it too. Cause then if you have that kind of look at it, because I, uh, there's, there's been, I've been going to see a therapist and not like, because I'm have any horrible things going on. It's just, it's mm-hmm. good to have mental health and to be in control of that. But and also just going through things that are trigger points for me and stuff. But one of them is being aware of putting my happiness in the, in the possession of others. And mm. uh, that usually when I would put my happiness in the possession of others, it would like really cause me to have a lot of problems because, um, and that's why I think like social media systems work really well because, um, we, and you're right. You hit it on the head. Like we, we don't make this work only for ourselves. If we did, we would never share it and nobody would know about it. Right. I'm talking about us in particular because we're public artists. Uh, yep. We make it because we want to have the acceptance and love from our peers and everybody else. And then obviously like your young cousin who can just tell you what he <laughs> thinks. <laughs> but at the end of the day too, it's like how much does that stuff even matter? Um, because maybe your, your cousin, um, he just doesn't have a taste, you know, or he, doesn't True. Have, he doesn't have a, a palate for what it is that you're doing. Yeah. Um, because opinions are ever changing because they're based on the chemical of ourselves and we're so complicated. So one day we like one thing, the next day we don't. Um, that's pretty common too. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. How, how do you deal with that? Cause it seems like you have your, a pretty good whole handle on this stuff, but you're human and you bleed as well. So, um, sure. And I imagine you're online too and you have a social presence. So, and I imagine you probably encountered some stuff that was not so great. Um, maybe not, but how do you how do you process that and deal with that on a daily basis? Mm, I think it's just part of it is just humor, and part of it is just having like a group of artists that I you know I I went to school with and, and I trust, so I can probably just kind of shit talk with them a little bit, like ah look at what this person talked said about my art. <laughs> sure. Yeah, he's like yeah I've had people yeah I'm, I'm sure you have like way more people just telling you like randomly like hey your dragon paintings are looks like shit. Like, it's like, yeah, whatever. Dude. Like, it doesn't matter. I, I, but I do tell my friends, Hey, look at this. It's funny. And then you kind of just let it go pretty fast. And I think I do like, even though I'm, I have, I have periods of time where I'm pretty active on social media. And I think most artists nowadays are, I, I think I'm, I'm sure like Maché has mentioned that you have, you probably, you probably talked to, talked about this with him on his podcast where you kind of just stop looking at it. Like you have to train yourself to stop looking at it. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's almost like you post it and then you just let it go. Like you just don't even look at it anymore. Like, okay, this is, it's out there. I've shared my creation and hopefully some people appreciate it, but if not, uh, whatever. Yeah, pretty much. I think that's yeah. the way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. How did you like yourself? So it sounds like you, you're, you're dealing with this recently, right? Like, is, is you seeing a therapist about, about like yourself? Is it something that it's fairly recent or have you been going for a long time? Uh, I've been doing it for about a year. It's, it's me to, it's for me to deal with a couple of things in family stuff, my past, sure. um, evolving past my, my, my weaknesses and stuff. It was, I was getting to a point where I wanted to accelerate or grow and I was hitting a bunch of the same pitfalls and I was trying to, I couldn't find my trigger points basically. Right. So I had to go to a person that was not biased to me, who didn't know me and could let me just be me in front of them and for them to give me tools to kind of engineer a better life. So okay, um, that's just helped me out a lot because I come from a pretty adverse um, past and like super poverty and like raised by a single mom and just like yep. a lot of madness that happened in my childhood. So 
trying to accept it, work with it and kind of use these things moving forward. And I think, um, that's why I kind of mentioned earlier is like when you put your happiness in the possession of others, especially strangers, it's really dangerous. Um, and yeah, I get it all the time, like online too. It's like, um, it's, it's weird because, and my wife and I've talked about this too. It's like never have there ever been a platform where anybody can just say what they think about other people, but it's very, it's at one time sometimes it's really good and others it's very damaging. Um, I think a lot of great artists and people like if they're not ready for this, they're going to get crushed and we're going to miss out on a lot of really great art because people aren't willing to either a be themselves because they're following likes because they're not mm-hmm. being willing to be authentic. And then B somebody that just doesn't get them. will just say like your art sucks or it's like whack or this and that. And then they're not willing, they're not able to kind of explore their potential, you know? So it's really quite unfortunate. So, but it's not necessarily a, a recent thing. I think no matter what, if you're in the public eye, you're going to have to deal with it. Um, it's not the, it's not, it's not great, but it's right. It's a part of the system. So I think it's just nowadays it's so easy. So everybody, like literally everybody can put yourself in the public eye if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. And I think even like if you're, if you're a young artist, like let's say you're in, you're 18, you're starting out and you're getting a little bit of a following yourself. I guess it's just that dopamine rush. It's really hard to separate yourself from that. Like first time in your life receiving that kind of attention from people you don't know. And yeah, I think it's something that maybe, maybe this is, this is the, like the, the trial of this generation. It's like, you have to go through that. Like back then it might be, Oh, you have to work super hard just to get noticed by like, let's say a magazine or something and you get published and, or maybe you get noticed by by a director, and then and, and back then it's super hard. But nowadays it's so easy to get noticed. So now it's how do you manage that attention? Like how do you manage, um, how do you manage ego stuff like that? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly it. it. In the in the olden days, I guess we could say that it's not really that old, but things are exponentially changing. Is that you would have um, gatekeepers basically, and that was kind of a problem because you'd have people that would that had tastes and their own bias towards work in general. And they would, they would like let some things in and some things not in, you know, and the great things, the great and the bad thing about today's era is you have um, complete open market basically. So everything comes in. The, the problem is, 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 is it's like a double edged sword, you know, it's like everything is great, but not, and then everything is shitty, you know? So yeah. It's like, <laughs> and, and, yeah. And I couldn't imagine. And that's why I, I think that these conversations are really valuable um, and valid and they're important to have, um, for people because I mean, I'm 36 years old. I'm almost 37. Like it's crazy because I always thought I'd be a young person, but I'm starting to feel like <laughs> age every year. I'm like, Oh shit. Like I have like a gnarly right now. I have like this really bad pinched nerve in my neck from jujitsu and like oh, working shit. too much. And it's like my, my, my hand goes numb and like, I'm like, Oh man, like I'm feeling my age. This sucks, you know? So, (laughs) but it's also in your mind too. But, um, but yeah, I think these, these kind of conversations are so dynamic and they're so complicated and I'm trying to figure out solutions. And I'm also like, I've, I've been listening to this really good podcast called, uh, um, armchair experts. Have you ever listened to that podcast? No, I got to write that one down. Armchair experts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's this yeah. guy. He's an actor comedian named Dax Shepard and, um, his co-host, I guess you'd call her. Sure. Her name's Monica, but he is very open and he's, uh, he's very open about his weaknesses and he's a, um, 
he's like an alcoholic that's recovering. Uh, okay. And it's cool. Like uh, it's cool because he's honest and he, he has really great guests on and their conversations are f- fantastic. But for me, I get a lot of wealth out of people being authentic and sharing their, their shortcomings, you know, and that's something that I've learned through this is like, it's good to share your shortcomings because, um, we all have them. And, um, the more you, you're willing to share, I think the better off it is because, uh, you're willing to connect to other people, you know? So yeah. In a deeper form, you know? So, but that's kind of the beauty of it today too, where it's, I think there's a lot of, I mean, sure there's judgmental people out there, but when it comes to personal problem, mental health, like struggles, I think everybody are pretty accepting of it. And then if you were to bring it out in the podcast and stuff, and I think everybody would be, in fact, I think it maybe makes a person more relatable, makes you more likable in, in a sense, you know, to know that. Because like if I, without, without this conversation, I don't think I would ever know that, oh man, like Ash goes through struggles like this as well. You know, yeah, I would think absolutely. maybe you're just like a, you're just like a, you know, super high level artist. But then of course, we're all just human. We have our own issues and, you know, our own insecurities here and there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the beauty of life though too. And I think that's also what's cool about doing art is because you can track your art, you know, and your art. I always say like, you know, I was born as this, like, uh, this guy here in America. Um, but my art is something that's beyond all of that. It's just me, you know, it's just me. Like when I'm really creating art for myself, not related to clients, when I'm really just creating art influenced Mm -hmm. by my own desires, like it's all just, uh, that's who you truly are. You know, right. I think that's probably what resonates for you when you look at, say, Jamie's art or something. I think what we all like from there is I think we can not only is the craft amazing and the ability to convey an emotion or an energy, but it's also the tone, you know. Um, yeah. Because those are all the subtleties, you know, and that's what we're really seeing there that I think we like is, oh, that's the person's like, that's that's really this person that's like it's almost a very high level, like alien language almost, you know, if you think about it, it's like, you, yeah. it's weird. It's, it's a, it's just a painting, but you think like, Hey man, like I don't think there's another person that would come up with the same painting. Yes. Like we all know composition. We all know color. We all know anatomy, but then for him, for a person like him to put it together like that in his own way, it's like, okay, that's even if it's not his IP, maybe it's an IP from a client, but you know, like it, it's, I wouldn't have put it that way. You know, anyone else wouldn't have put it that way. Yeah. yeah. A, a surprise example uh, is H.R. Uh, Giger, for example, right? He's like, an yeah, artist yeah. that um, is unmistakably that person is that, you know, and his obsession with that. But that what I'm saying about earlier, my point about social media is let's say Geiger before he was himself was young and he was drawing all this kind of like weird, crazy shit. And then like right. some kind of like feminazi was like you're an oppressive, <laughs> like, you know, nasty male or something. And then like, right. and if he wasn't equipped with like the, the mental fortitude to kind of withstand that, it could probably cripple him. And then we would never get Giger and we wouldn't get alien, you know? And then it was right. like, that's a crime, you know? <laughs> right. So, um, that's why I think, I don't know. I mean, I try to get a lot of perspective on this kind of stuff. And, and you know, yeah. I've, I've never thought of it this way, but now you mentioned it, I, I would imagine like, yeah, like an art, an artist like him in today's world would be considered very offensive in the public or I don't know, like public guy, but like the more extreme, extreme people, like they would think it's very offensive. And you, you know what? You're right. If he was a tw- if he was like 25 years old, he might be like, ah, no, I don't want to do that. I want to be liked by everybody. Yes. And oh man, that would suck. 
For sure. That would suck because it wouldn't be authentic. But I think even back in the day, he was, I think he was always controversial and always, I think if anything, it was towards the end of his career in his life where he became more accepted because there was like a subculture that was, a was like found that appealing. Mm-hmm. Um, the goth generation and all that kind of stuff, all the outliers yeah. and stuff too. So, I mean, I think, I think um, at least I like to hope is that greatness always rises and it always finds its home. And I think that if you're an artist out there and you're listening to this conversation and you're feeling like, ah, oh, fuck, like I, I don't get any of these likes. I'm not a big, I'm not big on social media, but I have like my own voice. Like I say, follow that, you know, like yeah. do that. Um, as much as it was funny cause I had a, another conversation with a friend of mine about he, he has a social media following, but it's very small and he's oftentimes I think feeling um, insecure about that. And in relation to say like, I don't have a big following, but he, we were just talking about it. And I was saying, I sometimes I would share negative comments from people with him and I'd mm-hmm. say, look like, and even recently there was this weird incident where, um, there's another artist that I've known for a long time and I followed for a long time and he was like talking shit about me on another oh, thread no. and I was what? like, man. <laughs> and, and so, and it was a bummer because I had, I've no, I've known of him. I've met him in person before and, uh, I always looked up to him and then seeing that I was like, wow, like that's a perfect example of the cost you pay for being like not popular, but having a following that's has its own thing. It creates a weird energy you know? So, right. and it's a bummer. That's so weird. Yeah. Oh man, that must've sucked. Holy cow. I can't imagine. <laughs> Hopefully this podcast, I don't mean for this to be so down downer, but, um, it's more, it's just like real conversation about stuff, but yeah, it was a bummer. It was like, um, I even, I just kind of talked with my wife about it. I mean, I'm so blessed and thankful. I have amazing people around me that I can vent these things to. Um, yeah. cause it's, you got to get it out somehow. But I was like, man, it's such a bummer. You know, it's like, it's really unfortunate. And, uh, and my wife's like, yeah, it's just, it's just that people don't know who you are. So they, they want to, they want to think they know who you are and then they want to, they want to assume that they know who you are, but they just don't really know. And if they did, they wouldn't say that, but that's just how it yeah. goes. Yeah. For sure. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> yeah. That's the trick. But I think finding your happiness is the trick, you know, and surrounding yourself. So. Yeah. I had a conversation recently about, well, this whole topic of happiness as well. And, and we, we got into a very, I guess at the point of happiness being, it's like a fluid state where if, if you're expecting your life to be happy all the time, then you're going to be disappointed more than, more than you're not. Right. Because I, I think if you're happy all the time, then that, that state, that state becomes normal. Like that emotional state becomes normal. Yes. And then your brain expects that every day. Yeah. And the only reason why like you, you know, you feel good or you feel happy right now is it, it's because you've been through maybe your, your, your last week was total shit. Or you're going through some emotional or mental stuff, but then you, you you get this hit of you know good things happening to you, then you feel the happiness. So it's like a it's a flow. So I think I guess what I'm trying to say is like even as an artist, like don't overreact to to negativity. Like if you if you know, like let's say somebody talks shit about you on social media, or you know, or maybe you lost a client, or maybe you got fired, whatever. Like I've been fired before, right? Like you got fired, you you know you you feel like shit. But just realize that it's going to come back up if you keep on, you know, being yourself and working towards your craft. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, it's so complicated, right? I'm always so afraid to give any kind of advice at all because like 
you never know all the instances. I used to say like this one thing where like, you know, in life you should, you should follow your passions and like love what you do. But like you could literally yeah. say that. And then there's a serial killer who's like, Oh, well like my passion <laughs> is like eating people. And like, I love to hurt people. And like, so it's, it's really dangerous, you know? So, but yeah. you're, you, you're right. I think so. Yeah. I think are you, you're a fan of the, the, the Joe Rogan podcast, right? Yeah. I, um, I think <laughs> Joe Rogan actually, um, he's a big inspiration for the beginning of this podcast just because I, I felt like the art community didn't, we didn't have that back then. So I don't yeah. listen to him as much as I used to. Um, I still really appreciate it. It's just, it's kind of a part-time job to listen, keep up with all the episodes. He's got so oh, much content, so much yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. But then I, I think one of the things that he, he gets a lot of shit for <laughs> is that he keeps on telling people to follow their passion. <laughs> so then like people make fun of him like, yeah, let's just quit our jobs and then start a podcast in our garage or something. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's the thing. Like you never know. Like some people are not, as fortunate or some people are not as interesting. Like some people are just not interesting yeah. at least verbally. Right. So then you got to find something else for you to do. Yeah, it's true. Um, and I mean, the thing is you have to acknowledge the fact that Joe Rogan is a multimillionaire. He's a very wealthy physical businessman. He's, uh, yeah. he, he, he's, he doesn't have to work, you know? So no. but he chooses to, because he wants to be a really great comedian and you can tell that he's growing with it. So it's like, yeah. um, he, he just loves adverse things. And, the thing that makes Joe Rogan's podcast awesome, not only is it him, but it's most of the time it's his guests. He brings on fascinating people. Um, and I think that that's really what, what pushes things to the, to the extreme when you have Mike Tyson come on or talk about his life or you have, um, Elon come on and talk oh, about that's crazy. It's cool. Like, and that's what yeah. it's, it's, I think, um, he's, he's very smart. He's highly intellectual. And, and I think it's, it's kind of like how that, that system works. And, I think he's right. And I, I, and I think that's great advice, but it's something that I realize that I've, I've kind of, I, I've gotten really afraid of giving advice to anybody. <laughs> Have you had um, any like burns with that where it's like you give an advice to someone and they, they kind of fucked it up following your advice or something? Is that, is that why you're uh, more careful nowadays? No, I don't think so. Not that I can think of maybe that I could, maybe I forgot <laughs> or something, but no, I don't <laughs> think so. I try not to, um, I just, I simply think that like, because your what you said to kind of complement to what you said is like that art and and happiness is a flow that um it's almost like these conversations are designed to kind of open up an idea for you and then like you're supposed to finish it you know what i mean like that's my goal it's not to give you because if i sat here and was like that was one of my biggest com- conflicts when i was making the classes for myself um when i was making them for learn squared is like fuck like i don't want people to have to follow this you know like i want people to find their own thing but at the same time i get all these questions from people about like how did you do this and how do you do that and so i feel like okay well i can just show you how i did this but nothing none of this will translate to you properly unless you're willing to go down the journey of like failing and hurting yourself or, or or succeeding and and the ups and downs you know so advice is really difficult i mean you went to art center right for a little bit. Yeah. I think, um, I went there for, but since from like 18 to 20, I went there for five or five terms. Hmm. Yeah. And I went to, initially I went there for product design and then I discovered concept art and I just kind of never looked back, hmm. but, uh, I had to drop out and I went to Singapore. I went to Feng Zhu's, uh, school yeah. for one year. Yeah. How was that? That was great, man. That was completely, it was a different beast, but I think it's also, oh, this is one thing I do give advice to, like when it comes to like, if any students were asking me, like, how do you, what do you think about our center versus FZD? 
I always say like, I think for me personally, a lot of it was my mentality. Cause when I went to, when I went to art center, my, ment my mentality was, Hey, I'm the youngest guy in, in class. I'm okay. I'm good. Like I'm not, I'm nowhere near the best. In fact, I'm pretty lazy at times, but I'm good because I got age. But then the thing is when I went to FZD, when I was 20 years old, 21, I was like, shit, I'm like, I, I don't think my parents saved enough money. Yeah, they're pretty, they're, they're really upfront. Like we have just a little bit of money left. So you, we, we can't afford another four years of school. Like you have one more year left. You, and I'm already really fortunate that my parents even save up money for me to go to school. Yeah. Especially our center. Damn. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people didn't have that. And like I had, my mom was really grateful because I think at the time I had, I had like 35% scholarship. So there was like a little bit of a load off of them. Otherwise I don't think they would allow me to even drop out of our center. In fact, I kind of <laughs> had to, I kind of had to lie to them a little bit. Mm. Um, I just told them that, Hey, they, they, they were going to keep my credits for five years. So after I go to FCD, I can work, save up some money. I can come back and get my degree. And my, my, my dad, especially being an Asian dad, like, he's like, yeah, you have to get the degree. You know, like is, that's, is, are you that's first gen here in the state or up in uh, Canada? Yeah, I'm first gen. <laughs> mm, that's cool. Yeah, and a lot of my friends are. I mean, I I, I, very, I know very few white people. I guess <laughs> I think it comes yeah. from growing up in Hawaii. Honestly, yeah. Um, I mean, I guess I know a lot. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But no, it's it's uh, one of my really close friends. Yeah, he's first generation to the states, and that's that's a really heavy thing in Asian like families too. It's like it's a huge burden for the parents and it's also a huge burden for the, the kids as well. Cause the parents are like, you got to do this, you got to pick a route. And that's really cool that they let you do art. Cause that's kind of a rare to thing too. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it's not, it wasn't an easy path. I think it was a struggle, especially with my dad for maybe like six years, man. Like it's, it's, it was really rough at times. Like we had, we got into like a physical confrontation one time wow. uh, because he was very unhappy with, like he was very condescending about what I was doing. And it, because basically when I was in high school, when I decided I want to do this, my mom, because my dad lived in Taiwan and he was working and he was basically sending money to, for me and my brother's education. Wow. So then my mom was raising us by herself. And then she became like the shield. She became the filter. Like any, any kind of disapproving comments that my dad would have towards like me going towards art, my mom would just ignore it and just shield it from, from me. Hmm. Right. So then, but then you can tell, like when I see him, you know, when he visits me or when I, when I go over to Taiwan and see him once in a while, like he's not happy with my decision, but I think he asked around and he, you know, some people who are living, who live in the States told him like, Hey, our center is actually like a really, really, really good school. Then yeah. he became, okay. He's like, okay, you know what? At least it's, it's a good school. Then sure. he was like, yeah. And then, so you can tell, like, you can, you can almost imagine his reaction when I said, okay, I, I, I'm not, I'm going to leave the school. He's like, what are you talking about, man? <laughs> what are you yeah. talking about? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, dude, come on, man. Like, <laughs> dude, yeah, exactly. Like, you, you, are you kidding me? Like, this is like, I literally saved up for 18 years for you, like just for you to go there. And then I, I, you know, this is what I know. This is what I learned later on from my other family members. But my mom, even my mom, like verbally, she was very supportive, but she had anxieties and sleeping problems for like weeks because I, I talked about it. I'm like, I don't, I think I want to quit. Hmm. Yeah. And then I'd have to tell them like, a lot of burden. you know, a lot of burden. And then I, I told them like, Hey, don't worry. Like I can save up after I graduate from school and then I can go back to our center and finish my degree. But at that time I like mentally I already knew there, there's no way I'm doing product design. Like there's no way I don't, I'm not interested at all. Like I was, I picked it because it was the closest thing to concept art. It's almost like prop design or vehicle design, but it, it wasn't concept art. And then 
Yeah, man. Like even like like dur- during my FZD time, we'll go on trips and stuff, family, family trips, and my yeah, my dad would just be like, yo, like yeah, I don't even know why you picked that school, and then like just out of nowhere, and then he, we just get into like fights and. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense, right? Because it's like, dude, what the hell, man? But at the same time, it's <laughs> our artists, like ourselves, we're so finicky emotionally. And yeah. there's so much dynamics to it. And to people that aren't artists or don't have the privilege to be artists, because to be an artist as we are now, it's it's very uncommon to, like, two generations past. It's like there was never, there wasn't the internet and there wasn't open market. There wasn't none of this stuff. So, like, literally art was kind of this weird thing that, like a hobby that people did when they didn't care about like succeeding, you know? Yes. Yeah. Um, but now it's like, I make more than a doctor. So whatever. You know? Exactly. <laughs> no, it's, it, yeah. here's the thing, right? Numbers don't lie. So my dad, my dad eventually accepted it. Once he sees the number, once he saw the number, sure, he's like, Oh, course. okay. Yeah. And then, and I, I get it. Like him, I think, yeah? Oh yeah. I used to, I used to really kind of resent, resent him for, for it a little bit. Sure. But, over the years, I'm just like, you know what? I think every parent, so for the most part, if they're good parents, they're only giving you the advice because based on their upbringing and their experience, that's the best advice they can give you. Yes. Right. That's their job. Yeah. yeah. That's their job. And you know what? Like, I don't have a kid yet, but I do plan to have a kid. And you, I know you have a, you have a, you have a kid. So yeah. then like. She's 15 years you, old, man. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. The advice you give them, it's based on your opinion, but you know, things have changed, right? You never know. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's good of you to think of that, and also to have um, humility for your, your for your parents, and especially your connection with your dad. Because, yeah, it's a, I can't imagine how um, how how challenging that must be as a parent too. I, like if I had to live in another country and work hard, and um, I wasn't even connected to my kids daily, and and giving them this life, and then they were like wishy washy about stuff, that would drive me nuts <laughs> oh yeah 100%. yeah so that's but that's really cool that um do you guys have a, a, a connection now you have a relationship now somewhat we we do i mean my parents my mom moved back after after uh, my brother my i have a younger brother so after he graduated my mom moved back so they live together now and they're they're having a lot of fun man like they're traveling a lot my dad's still working and he's enjoying his job and like over the past few years like for the first time in his life he came from the generation of like I mean, Taiwan used to be colonized by Japan. So then he came from that generation. Mm. So then he he would just work that one company for his sure. entire life. Salaryman style. Salaryman style, yeah. And then he's, yeah. I mean, the past two years, he's he's he done a job switch for the first time in his life. And wow. he seems to really enjoy it, even though like the anxiety for like the first year was killing him. Sure. Um, yeah, but wow. you know. How old is dad? How is your dad? My dad's 59. 59, yeah. Yeah. Retire yeah. soon or no? He wants to. He talks about it, but I don't think he will just because... <laughs> That's I mean, you, you know, we love working. We yes. love doing our stuff. Yeah. 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 I'll never retire. I'll just do more of what I want to do. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Same. And like it might, you know, you just probably do it not for the money, maybe just for fun. Right. Yeah. That's exactly it. You know, it's like, I think it's so important. I don't know. I only know what it's like to be a man. So I find it, it's very important for me psychologically to have a purpose and a point. Yeah. Every day needs to have a destination basically. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm pretty goal oriented. So like, it's really important to have that. If I don't have that, oof, it's dangerous. It's very dangerous. Yeah. How, how do you balance that with having a family though? Is, doesn't family a lot of times get in, get in the way of your goals and plans? Oh, always. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a hundred percent. That's a great question. And it's a common question too. And it's something that's really hard to answer because again, I feel like I don't want to give advice, 
But the way I personally deal with it is it's just every day. It's all compromises and um, mm-hmm. finding that middle ground. There's no such thing as balance. I think when you want to be quote unquote prolific and you also want to have the amazing part of life, which is family, it's uh, it's um, for me, I've never really found a, a way to balance it necessarily. But every every year, my wife and I have been together for 12 years. We're about to celebrate our 10 year anniversary I think every year we've gotten closer to understanding one another a little better mm-hmm. and working with one, one, another, one another. And, um, and I think that we're just trying to find that, that balance and, um, it just takes time and, um, it takes two, it takes patience and it takes, it takes a tribe, you know, connecting. I can't imagine the hardships and conversations your parents must've had, um, <laughs> when, you know, as we were, you know, figuring out your guys's life. I mean, that's a lot of sacrificing and stuff. So, I love hearing those kind of stories too, because they stick with me. Uh, I might have like some kind of situation where I'm like, Oh man, this and that. And then I go like, well, fuck man. Like Steve's parents did that. That's crazy. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause it, it's, it's, it's all perspective, you know? So for sure. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's really a balance to it and you got to be willing to compromise and you have to be willing to sacrifice a lot. Um, right. A lot of sleep. Right a lot of mental clarity and, uh, your diet and your health. <laughs> All <laughs> oh, of yeah, those it's hard things. to keep, keep, it's hard to keep in shape when you're living with other people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Unless they're, unless they're, it's a, it's an important part of the culture. So, but true. Yeah. yeah. Are yeah. you on any kind of diet? Are you like a health freak in, in a sense? No, no, I just eat whatever, but, oh, nice. <laughs> um, yeah. but I, I mean, I was training jujitsu pretty hard, but I have to, I might not be able to do it anymore because of my nerve damage. So that's a oh, bummer. Gosh. So I'll have to figure out something else. But do you follow a regimen? Uh, not right now, but I used to. I, my regimen used to be pretty strict. But I, I actually find that like as I'm working more and more, I I work in a little burst. So like maybe like during a year, I have five months where I can work a lot. And my like the beginning of this, uh, beginning of last year actually, from last year to maybe like the summertime, the sixth month, my schedule was. I wake up and I'll do like a 30 minute painting just to warm up and I'll go to work or, you know, do freelance or whatever. And then come home and I'll go to the gym. And then from, you know, whenever to like, from whenever I'm done to like 11, that will be my freelance time. And then 11 to like one thirty or two, that will be my personal work time. And if I don't have freelance and I'll just replace everything with personal work. And I will do that for like six, six months. And that used to be my schedule. But now that I'm just more occupied with other stuff, I simply can't see myself doing that. And that's why I asked the balance thing. It's just because I am a kind of guy who I look forward to having a family one day and I'm, that's definitely my plan. But I know to get to a higher level in art, like you do have to put in a lot of hours and maybe I just got to do it now before it's too late. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not, it'll never be the right time. You know, I think <laughs> in my true. opinion, it's like, and the thing is with being a parent is, you, you know, you could read every book and, study everything but it'll never prepare you for mm. the lack of sleep and the the overall just the the madness that it does but it's it's one of the one of the primal kind of experiences of being a human um uh not that if you don't have kids it's bad or you're not experiencing the human experience there's plenty more to experience but I feel like there's so much to that experience that connects you to just who you are and and everything else and I think it's uh it's, 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 uh, yeah, it's, it's a gnarly thing. And I think that you will never be prepared for it. <laughs> and, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah. So I would say get everything that you really selfishly want to get done. I would say do that now, right. uh, because you can't be selfish after that. So, 
you can. It's just, you know, like every year that our daughter is able to, um, kind of maintain herself, like we're able to travel more and do those things. So we're kind of reclaiming ourselves back every year. So, Mm -hmm. um, because when, when your child is young, it's like, um, everything is about them and making sure that they don't die basically. So, right. (laughs) (laughs) And then from there, it's like, it's a matter of just kind of compromising with things and finding, you know, solace in things. So, but yeah, I think it's, it's, uh, yeah, there's no, there's no balance to it though. Um, in my, in my, in my opinion. And I've, 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 I've seen friends that have a pretty decent balance from the outside. I'm not sure how they're, how they feel inside, but they're also not trying to be, crazy art people you know so mm, right chasing the gold of your internal astro- ab- aspirations is so um time consuming you know it's like every day needs to be completely selfishly en- enveloped into like what your desires are you know right so if i'm yeah, not sure. if i'm not doing work i'm learning something i'm sure you're the same way you have to be yeah, you have to be. You have to even just reading something or just thinking, sitting there just thinking about the next idea. And yeah, and, and I, I try to be careful not to let that kind of seep through into my into my personal life too much because I think it can get annoying for like, you know, your loved ones or your friends or family to like, hey, you're always talking about your work, man. But I think that I'm pretty lucky that most of my friends are artists anyways. So they do enjoy talking about it. And like even currently, I've been working on the book for a while and, um, I, it's weird. I just, I just discovered that uh, my girlfriend, she loves writing. So like she's been writing all these prompts for me and I find it so much easier just to just kind of talk to her about it, like my ideas and stuff. And she'll give me like actual written prompt, like a director would. And then that makes me like, cause I'm so used to reading little text and turning them into like keyframes. Yeah. It's a lot easier than just coming up with something on my, on my own. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, that's been going well as well. So like, that's great. That's a compromise I was say, talking about. You know what I mean? It's like, yes, you yes. find it. But the thing is, you're, you were willing to do that. Most people wouldn't. I think most artists like myself are very self-indulged and we mm-hmm. want to just kind of fulfill our own things because there's just a lot of like, the. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to get religious. This isn't religious, but we're kind of like mini gods. Mm-hmm. You can go inside your imagination and manifest these things and pull them out. It's, it's kind of a, an addiction, you know? Right. Right. Um, and it's really, you kind of get wrapped up in your own self. Like, Oh, I'm doing this and that I have, I mean, myself and so many artists I know, uh, mostly talk about what they're doing, what they're excited about. I don't think they mean ill will towards anybody. It's just, that's kind of the nature of it. But that's really cool that you're able to find this like cool kind of compromise of collaboration. So I, I tried, I I try to, cause I, I think there's part of me that I guess really zoned in. I really don't want to talk and, you know, communicate with anyone. I just want to do my thing. And, and, and that cool feeling of, like you said, like after the end of the day, like you've basically created something that wasn't there. It's an, it's, it's an idea that wasn't there, like in the beginning, in this morning. Right. So that's, it's such a satisfying feeling. And to share that with someone else is, it's definitely kind of weird. And I, you know what? I think that's probably why like a lot of artists, like eventually you get to a point where you just don't, you don't like to do client work as much as you used to. I think in the beginning of, of my career, I, I'll take on any project and you're just very hungry to, to prove something, I guess. And to, to, you know, obviously to get paid. Yes. But I think nowadays it's just, I just value, you know, my own time so much more, especially sure. when I don't have that much responsibility like financially. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, I think that's. I think you hit it on the head. I think that's exactly it. Uh, and also, a lot of times too, I think that I I do enjoy client collaboration, and I I really have a lot of fun when it, when I have the when the right job comes in. And thankfully, I've been working super hard and focusing on things and really dedicating a lot of my time to just working with the right people, the right clients, the right time, right jobs, all that stuff. So I can yeah. pick and choose. Uh, thankfully. Um, so, but I do really love that, but I, I think the same, like you just said, I do really appreciate and love my, my own personal time. It's, there's this ability to kind of, I always equate it to when I was a child, I would draw a lot and, uh, I still do, but I would just kind of sit in my own world in my own head. And, uh, as growing up really poor, you know, you can afford pen and paper. It's usually the cheapest thing. So I had yep. my imagination to, to sit with and, but then as I got older and I went through the machine of the entertainment industry is like, I wasn't able to kind of be that kid anymore. So every year I try to claim back to that kid that was having fun, just kind of creating and being silly and coming up with these things, because that's really, um, that's really when the art is actually uh, the most authentic for me personally, you know? So, yeah. um, but that's interesting that you mentioned that the, your girlfriend helps you with the writing part because that's um, a mechanism of your mind that when you're working under client stuff, you're so used to processing. And so that's cool that you've found that because oftentimes with most artists, we spend so much of our lives kind of focusing on the tools and the craft and the, you know, Oh, you know, like uh graphic design and the, the, you know, like a good composition, all these things. Yeah. It takes a whole lifetime just to understand that stuff. So for sure, the other part of the lifetime, like I was saying earlier, is like when you get past all the tools and the, the, the curves and all these things, when you are actually exposing who you are with your authentic ideas, that's really where your art shines. You know, um, it's rare. It's rare that it happens, you know, because unless you do like a hack system like Giger, I guess you'd say like Giger is a perfect example. I use him a lot because he's one of those artists that was prolific in his lifetime, found mm-hmm. success in it, but also um, kind of got pigeonholed and became like, he kind of like lived in his own cycle basically because mm-hmm. there was nothing like that other than him. And, you know, imagine him going off and doing like a, a Ford commercial or something, you know, like, right? right. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, it would be weird, you know? So yeah, it would either be weird or it would be really bad because it wouldn't be him. And yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's funny you mentioned the, the whole child thing. Cause I, now I just remembered, uh, I had that, I had a feeling just like that for many, many years. Cause I, I think that was when I got into heavy, like photo bashing, heavy 3d as, as a workflow. And then I kind of felt like I was going to losing that, you know, that childlike ability to have fun while I'm drawing, I guess. So then I remember like years and years ago, I was working at Oat Studios and one, one coworker of mine, he was like, Hey man, like, I was just wondering, like, when was the last time you did a piece that you were proud of? And I was like, Holy shit, man. I don't know. So mm-hmm. I, I went question. back. It's a very good question. Yeah. And yeah. then I went back and I, I, I start scrolling through and I was like, man, the last piece was like a year and a half ago. And it was just a fun, it was like a for fun thing for like a Facebook challenge or something. Yeah. Yeah. And then that kind of like woke me up a it's little a good bit. friend right there. Oh, good friend. I'm still a good friend with him. Oh, his name is Ian Spriggs. I'm not sure if you know him, but he does a lot of like the super hyper realistic uh, character portraits. Yeah. Yeah. Of course I've seen his work. It's yeah. beautiful work. Did you ask him the same question? Uh, I think I, <laughs> you know what, to be honest, I don't remember what he said, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? He yeah. was, he, he's very smart about the way he, he gives me critique and, and feedback. So then I think he's really just trying to tell me like, Hey dude, you're like all your client work that you've been doing, even the stuff you're doing for, for, uh, for Neil was like, 
just not you. It's not, you know, I don't feel like you're into it. You weren't proud of it. And that was a point where I was like, okay, I had, first of all, I have to find what I like to do yeah. and that's do it in the process and the style that I like so that I am at least proud of some of it. Sure. You know, like the gap won't be a year and a half, maybe like every week I can have one piece where I'm kind of proud of. There you go. Yeah. And then I kind of start doing that more. Well, I think it all comes down to values, you know, it's like, what do you value? Cause not everybody wants to care about having a, um, some people that thrive, especially on social media, they just want likes and they'll True. do whatever for the likes, you know, because whatever is inside them is telling them that they need uh, admiration and love from other people. You can see it. It's cause they draw right. the same thing over and over and it's usually like an anime girl or something like that. titties. Yeah. Titties yes. and mechs. <laughs> titties, yeah. mechs and anime girls. Yeah. And that's cool. Some people like really love that. I think, I don't know. I don't know if that's, I couldn't do that, but at the same time, I can't judge them because that's what they love. I imagine so. And why would they keep doing it? Maybe that's the reason, but it's not my it's not my business. But um, but I think when you have a ratio of doing things that you love, there's that feeling. I, I it's it's there's no feeling like it when you're sitting up. It's three o'clock in the morning, and you're just like, oh fuck, this is so cool. Like you're having a lot of fun, and yeah. um, your brain is firing at all at all at that 100 speed and you're just like this is cool and you're really feeling it there's a freeing nature to that um yeah and, and then you post it up and somebody goes this shit <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah oh, it's all, go, all the time yeah yeah then you go well you know whatever so um yeah and sometimes they're right and sometimes they're wrong but that's a really props to ian for for shaking you like that because that's so good so important to have that uh, um, to have somebody tell you those things because it's, it's, it is often times it's so true. That's one thing I noticed about, and I, I don't want to, um, generalize, but with art center students, um, I've noticed that students that come from art center, that's, mm -hmm. it's the kind of the mechanism that they put into the artist there is like just fucking burn, 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 make burn, burn, churn, churn, burn, burn. And then it's like, well, why are you doing it? You know, mm -hmm. it's almost like they burn the artist out of you and turn you into this mechanism, you know? Yeah. Is that kind yeah, of true? I noticed it. Like there's been about five artists that I've um, talked to or friends that I've known. And I was like, they kind of, I noticed that they turn into these like art machines. Um, but yeah. yeah, man, I've known a lot of artists from there that they'll do that for a few years after graduation. And they always go, almost always go through that phase of like, shit, man, this is not what I want to do. Like, what am I, what have I been doing? Like, yeah. I've almost lost that, um, that joy I had when I'm making art. Art center just makes you into this, oh, get a script from director, you know, gather references. Okay. How do I come up with this image in the fastest way possible and then collect my paycheck? Yeah. And I don't blame and, them. That's the mechanism of it. So, and it's, it's a business thing. I get that, but it kind of removes the purity of the child, do you know, like for sure. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think it's There's it, a value one of both. them. Maybe our center. I'm not, this is, this is just my guess, but maybe because the cost of going there, especially for someone who's not from LA, like the cost yeah. of going there is so high. It's massive. So yeah. massive. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a crime really. I really want to see some <laughs> kind of system collapse there, but like it's, a, it really is a Eventually, crime. And, yeah. yeah. And then, so I think naturally people will put a lot of, a lot of, I guess, praises in people who get good jobs right off, right out of school. Yes. Right. And then most of the time, you know, getting good jobs means that as a junior artist means that you can fit perfectly well into that giant wheel as a, as an, as a cog, you know? Yeah. And yeah. can you 
Yeah, you know, like it, this is you're it's a junior, self-fulfilling right? yeah. though. It's self-fulfilling, I think. And I saw, like, I remember when I was there, I would go up there. One of my um, teachers, he taught at the junior college that I was there, and then he would teach up there on yep. the weekends, and I'd go and sit in on his class. And like, most of the students were Asians. Like, most of them <laughs> were like um, Koreans, and I think it was mostly Koreans. And it was cool. Like, and I would talk to them, and I think it actually makes a lot of sense now because most. Asian families come in and they were like, we want you to have a successful job. We'll put you through our center. We're going to fucking pay a huge amount. Yeah. And then we're going to put you through our center because we know you're going to turn into a machine and you're going to be yep. able to make money. And it's like, that's cool. But it's at the same time, it's like, wow, like it's missing the core of the, it is. like, why? I don't, I don't I'm just, this is a big general critique and it's, I'm probably coming off as this racist white guy. I don't need to be. <laughs> I don't think so. I think you're pretty, cor- yeah, I think you're correct. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, a, I'm just, it's obviously it's generalization. Right. And, um, in, even I wanted to go there. I was, um, I just couldn't afford it. Uh, I probably could have maybe pulled off some student loans, but I would have been like 200,000 or something in debt or something. I just didn't find the value. I knew that, um, something was on the rise. That's when Noman DVD started coming out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh shit, like the, the first one I got was like Dylan Cole's matte painting thing. And I was like, oh shit, like the dawn of this new way of learning is here and um, we're going to kind of open up this thing. But um, this opportunity to learn from the masters without going to our center is here, you know? Yeah. So that was kind of somewhat of the impetus of, of Learn Squared, which is like uh, learning from the people that actually doing this stuff. Because that was one of my other qualms I had was like, what's this person doing this? Is this person actually living and working this in this industry? And in our center, thankfully there's a lot of like living artists that teach, which is really awesome. But, Mm -hmm. and again, I'm generalizing. I have no place to even kind of have a comment on this because I didn't go to our center. It's just my generalized kind of opinion of it. So, no, I think you're, I think you're correct. And it's funny we we're routing back on our center because I, I, I think I also get a lot of questions like, should I go to our center? And, like, you know, we, t- I think we talked about this uh, a little bit earlier, but I, I didn't get to my point. <laughs> it was, Sorry. um, no, no, it's okay. It's okay. I just forgot about it. Um, I think a lot of it, it, it just comes down to your mentality and your luck. So mm. most of the things that, in my opinion, like textbook stuff that you can learn from art center, like your perspective, your, your artistic and technical skills, you can just learn online from a, from a DVD or book or Gumroad or you can go mo- to the library oh, and get a free book and learn free it. book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or you can just probably just ask like artists and they'll probably just tell you what they use and you or just have YouTube. to follow YouTube. Exactly. Yeah. And you have to think about like, okay, so if you're paying this much money to go to school, like what are you getting? And yeah. I think our center is overpriced, but one thing you do get is first of all, they probably, you probably are more disciplined versus like staying home by yourself unless you're already a disciplined person. Yeah. And another thing you get is connection. Those right. are two, that's, you're right. That's, those are the two big things. Mm-hmm. Those are two big things. And it's, but I've also personally seen many, 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 many students who, you know, you go to our center, but they don't, they don't really get a job and they don't really find a career afterwards. I've heard and I, about I think, that. They go to our center and they become, they go work at Starbucks or something. Oh yeah. And then imagine that, like that, that must be the shittiest feeling. Like you spent 200 grand and then now you're at Starbucks for the past, for the past five years. Yeah. Or, it's the or, worst. or maybe it's good and they just kind of go, ah, like they enjoy their life that way. I sure. You know, sure. I guess it's a, it's all an opinion, I guess. I don't know. Right? <laughs> I, w- I would say if that's the life, then you, they probably really enjoy their college life. Like they probably really have fun at our center because most, most, most people at our center, they don't have fun at all, man. It was, yeah. Art it machines. was like, machines. our machine. Yeah, for sure. And a lot of it is luck too. Cause sometimes you enroll in a certain term and then you get 
like you get certain teachers that teaches and it's because mm. teachers are all working artists. So sometimes they can teach this term and sometimes, you know, like Marvel will call them and they have to go. Yeah. So you never That's know. True. That's yeah. true. That's a good point. Yeah. And and then now it's, I feel like, um, cause I get that question a lot as well. And I, I went to, I, I moved out when I was 14. I put myself through college, but I didn't get my final bachelor degree. I got an associate's degree. I, I just didn't do the Spanish thing. I didn't want it. I had like one class away from getting my bachelor degree. Maybe that was I'll a Spanish class? Yeah. And I was like, I don't <laughs> want to do it. <laughs> I was already working and I was like, man, I don't care. Like, um, like if I really want to learn it, I would, but I didn't, I always felt like when I was in college or when I was in school in general, I knew I wanted to be an artist since I was a kid. I was like, what am I, I don't need this. But the the oddity is that you do actually need a lot of diversity in your mind and you need a lot of uh, challenges and a lot of different things to fill your mind up with um, the things that, cause that's what fulfills your imagination. Right. I, I all the time as a kid, I used to read and I fill my head with all kinds of weird ideas. I feel like I call upon that in my subconscious, my deepest subconscious all the time without even knowing it. Yeah. So I think that's a really important part of, of, of just being an artist is being able to pull upon that. And if you turn yourself into an art machine, I think like that's one thing I really appreciate your, about your class, but you're at the same time, your class is a byproduct of the art machine. You know, it's like, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. it was cool. Cause I, I, the thing is, I like that I'm able to talk to you about that without you taking to offense because you're, you know it. Cause I got that feeling when I watched your class, it's like, and that's not even a bad thing towards you because it's cool. Cause like you're showing the way that you work, you know, and it's not right. Yeah. It's not wrong. It's just the way that you work, you know, yeah. and it's a byproduct of like how you've gone about learning and growing and stuff. And it works because there's a lot of things that I, with that you do that I completely agree with and align with, which is more or less, be a generalist and understand the basis of everything and then use that to your advantage. You know, mm-hmm. there's no tool. That's the magical tool. There's no button. That's the magical button. Um, except the one that's red right next to the keyboard that you can only get. No, <laughs> joke. <laughs> no. But no, it's, it's, it's a really, it's, it's really, it's a beautiful time to be an artist. I think, you know, it's probably one of the best of all time in human in humanity to be an artist. And we're actually sought after um, more than ever. Um, the Renaissance was like the last big push, I think, but now I think more than ever, um, because of the tech companies and stuff, they're, they're seeking people like ourselves to go into the ether and extract that and manifest it so that we can manifest it basically for the general public, you know, which is really fascinating. If you really think about it, it's crazy. It's like, it's a beautiful time to be an artist and it's the first time ever. We're so lucky to be in this age right now. Yeah, we're pretty well respected, man. Like this is a legit career. Like I don't think at this point no one's gonna really say too much if you're saying, "Oh, I'm an artist for the entertainment industry." Like this, yeah, that's great. That's awesome. Like I wish I had your job. That's mainly the comments I get nowadays. Isn't that weird? Yeah. It's really weird. Yeah, so yeah. it's weird. It's a, the tables have turned so fast. <laughs> it has. I'd say like, man, I was legitimately scared. I grew up um, with a family of really amazing artists. My oh, great grandfather nice. was like a craftsperson. He was like really amazing at building furniture. And my grandma was this amazing illustrator. Um, and then my mom was an amazing like illustrator artist. And she was like a calligrapher and like did re- amazing handwriting stuff. And uh, I don't think any of them really were able to be artists. They mm. just did it because they had a passion for it. I think maybe my great grandfather did it because um, he was a furniture creative, like creator. So like, I think it was more of a usable thing. It was more like 
you could translate that into income pretty quickly. Right. But man, it was, it's like growing up with all that, I would look at them as a kid and I'd go like, fuck, I suck. Like, how am I going to make it? Right. But I didn't <laughs> give up. And then unfortunately, I think all that pressure really did a lot for me personally though. Did you feel like because of your parents had so much pressure on you that you had a lot to lose? Oh yeah, no. Well, I had a lot to lose when I decided to leave our center. Like I was, <laughs> I was like, oh my, I was like, hell, why did you shit. do that? Why did you make that call? Like, what made you decide well, that? Well, the the story leading up to it was like I I took a my one of my friend convinced me to to take like a car design car drawing class and they call it Viscom Visual Communication at uh, our center and then instead of taking Viscom one we just took Viscom five. And we took Viscom 5 for like the car design people because we wanted, we just want to learn how to draw cars, but we probably should have started from one to be honest. Mm -hmm. And then I went in there and just got my, you know, just got my ass handed to me pretty much. And then just when I felt, it was like week six, week seven into the class, I felt comfortable drawing cars. The car, the teacher was like, all right, guys, we're going to digitally paint them now. Right. So then at that point I was like, ah, shit, man, I gotta, I suck at this. I can barely draw. I have to, you know, look for tutorials that's when i started going on youtube and i found like fang's school and i saw what he was doing and i was like i realized that like holy shit like there's this whole industry out there for industrial design but it's for movies and games and it was at the same time where a lot of feedback i was getting from my product design teachers were like hey man i think your idea is pretty cool and they'll be pretty cool for like movies and games but i don't think in reality like our technology is there yet like your ideas are too out there we have to bring it back and we have to base everything based on like, you know, like the boring shit, like budget and manufacturing, what type of plastic to use, what's the most environmentally friendly. And I just didn't care. And so that's when I realized, okay, like our center is it. And then I talked to my parents and they said, okay, well, and my mom said, well, you know, my dad didn't know at the time. My mom was like, okay, well, look, I have this much money saved up for you for your school. And if you were to redo our center, like redo your credits from, and you switch from product design to concept art. I, I can't afford it. So you have two choice. Either you finish product design and you try to find a way to concept art from there, or you can do your thing in FZD and, you know, like being like the irresponsible, you know, young guy I was, I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm leaving. <laughs> but then that, that also put me in the mindset of there's no way I'm going to fail. There's, mm -hmm. I simply cannot allow it to happen because financially my parents will take a huge hit. And they will be disappointed. I'll be disappointed in myself for forever, really. Mm. Yeah. That's good. I mean, I always feel like pressure is a, a, an equal and very important part of the equation. Um, and it's something that I always kind of try to always remember when there's a lot of pressure. I go like, ah, shit, this is so much pressure. But then it's often really so important. It's so crucial um, to have that pressure. Because it's exciting. It's like time to grow. Yes. No? Yeah. yeah. And that, that's, well, there's two ways you can look at it, right? You can go, you can be optimistic and, 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 and positive about it and say, that's exciting. And you could also go like, ah, oh, fuck this and turn the other way. There's two routes in the road. That's a based right. on fear. One's based on fear and one's based on optimism. Really. I feel like, and yeah. so one side you embrace it and you're like, this is going to be great. And the other side, you're like, ah, oh, you freak out and want to run away from it too. So, but no, that's, that's cool. I, I think that, um, I mean, this is something I think we brought up Joe Rogan earlier. It's like, I think that he discusses a lot of times the people that he admires, they have like really, um, they all come from adverse situations or adverse 
like childhoods and stuff, yeah. especially comedians and stuff that like the better the comedy, the, the darker the mind and the darker yeah. the past. <laughs> and yeah. it's like, cause they, that's their only way to really extract that out is the, why they're so funny is the irony of their life is, is a joke, you know? Yep. And, and they're able to kind of get it out via comedy. And oddly we are able to laugh at that. It's uh, I thinking like maybe like a hundred years from now, we're going to have some psycho- psychological analysis of like how unhealthy this society yeah. is because <laughs> yeah. of that thing. I was, I had a real interesting deep kind of conversation with my friend and I about, um, the, like being, being a man and this, this, uh, uh, this gen- this um, generation is really weird. Uh, I was talking with Mike Hill. Mike recommended this book called Warrior, King, Prince, Lover or something like that. It's basically okay. about um, masculinity, but not in the weird sense because I feel like more than ever, masculinity is kind of being attacked. I'm not trying to be political here and I don't have any agenda here, Sue. So <laughs> just, uh, just hear me out. But um, I think we're on the same page. I think yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. and anybody listening to like, I don't want to, um, I know that there's a lot of, there's, there's a, such a, a big range of people that listen to this show and I, and I appreciate that. And I never want to yeah. kind of like be like, I don't want to, um, alienate anybody, but I only know what it's like to be a man because I am a man and that's yep. who, who I am. And that's why I identify it with. But, um, it was interesting. I forgot where I was going with this, but identifying or like just kind of masculinity and yeah, that book, right? That book you're talking about uh, with Mike, uh, mm-hmm. Warrior King, something like yeah. So, what was that about? It's basically um, there's different levels to like. I forgot why I, there was a point to me bringing this book up. Ah, oh well, it was basically <laughs> this: the idea of like, um, be like the, the idea of being a man, and ah, I forgot. I'm sorry, I've lost mm-hmm. track of my thought. But the book is really interesting. I haven't finished it, but um, it's just kind of. T- celebrating who you are, I guess, but right. not, but not doing it in an unhealthy way. If that makes sense, you know, it's like right. celebrating the beauty of like really identifying and uh, and being authentic about who you are and what it is that you're interested in and like right. celebrating that and not trying to, um, push your opinions on other people just because you right. feel strongly about something doesn't mean that everybody else should, you know, it's like, um, I don't know, but yeah, that was kind of like this random thing. I was wondering okay. what's, um, What's a favorite artist of yours? Um, just like somebody that comes to mind that you're like, I really appreciate that artist. And, and what's an attribute about them that you, that like makes you like them so much? Um, well, I think I've mentioned quite a few of them mm-hmm. just in the, yeah, just in the, in the podcast. But, uh, if I were to mention someone who I haven't, haven't talked about, Hmm, man, that's hard. I'm, so, you know what? We're so like, bombarded with art every day it's i just true. oh you know what john park let's just say john park he mm. he is a big influence man like he was I, like a few years ago not a few maybe like five years ago i was out of a job and you know, i was like i had some money saved up and at the time he was like you know what guys i'm gonna do a i'm gonna do an online class like this is the first ever like brainstorm online mentorship session me and me and uh, james peck we're gonna do it mm. so i was like holy crap it's, it's not cheap it was like four or five grand you know, for someone who doesn't have a job, that's quite a bit. And then I just had to kind of just like make that investment. And he, he was like the nicest, most, you know, he's such a sweet guy. He's so, and he always spends more time. Like you can tell his wife was like telling him to like, shut the fuck up, John, like come get (laughs) dinner with your family. And he's like, Oh yeah, just like one more painting. And then, yeah, instead of like when I was reading the thing, I was like, holy cow, like every Saturday we're going to meet up on Skype for four hours. And then he always goes over time. So it ended up being like five or six hours on Skype. Mm. Like that's that's a crazy amount of investment for, you know, like professionals like him. Yeah. And 
but he cares. And he, is why. he cares. He, he truly cares about everyone's work. As long as you're putting in effort, he cares. And he tried really try to improve uh, everyone's work. And I think my, my workflow and my mindset like completely changed. And recently he's like recent year, he's been doing all those, uh, all those like painterly brushy stuff and like sketch lunch sketches or whatever. And I think I, I mentally and motivation, motivationally, like I depend on those quite a bit, like opening Facebook or something and seeing, Oh shit, man, John just did another thing in like 30 minutes. All right. Let me, <laughs> let me, uh, let me pick up my pen and do something. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's a, he's an animal, that guy. He's on another level. Yeah. yeah he's in a, it's cool to see him grow and, 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 um, develop as an artist too. Cause it's like, yeah, it's never ending. I just appreciate people like that too. John is such a, he's not only is he a great artist, but he's such a really nice guy. Like such a, James Pake is really a sweet card too, man. Yeah, Those and are it, two great peeps, man. So, so smart, like so business minded, but also yes. so lovingly. Yeah. Like I, they're just crazy. Like I, I admire them so much. And I think they truly, I think that's the one class that like literally changed my life, man. Mm. It's crazy. Oh. I, I could see that though. I, I mean, that's the beauty of this too, is like so much of it is the passing of the torch of knowledge, you know, so much of, of, of what we know now as art is it comes from values being passed and shared. Yeah. If there's that weird threshold. And I know you've experienced it because I can see it in your development is when you, before you're an artist, you have an idea of what an artist is, but then you understand like the mag- magic trick and the magic trick isn't just one trick. It's like 10 things at the same time that all have in harmony. You know, it's like yep. composition and like value and color and color temperature and all of these things, they all kind of come together. And when they coalesce and they all come to the same one thing, there's this epiphany that you hit. But it's very rare that you would manage to find that on your own. So, so yeah. much of what we know and as we are as artists, like comes from our ability to be taught it, you know, so... Oh yeah. Like I, from a lot of mine, like I remember there was a, there was a uh, interview I read and they were interviewing Sid Mead, I believe. And they were asking him like, how did you find your style? Sorry, maybe it was Sid or, or Craig Mullins, but basically a lot of the answers, like, I don't think I have a style, nor did I try to purposely create one. It just, I was learning from, and I was studying from all these people I liked and event, and I was doing my own thing. And eventually like people just kind of think that this is my style. Yeah. And for me, that's and a lot of times like when I'm looking, when I'm studying art, for example, like this is like a true story. Like I would look at something you did for, let's say, Ender's Game and it's just graphic design. But then I'm like, wait, the way you, the way you balance out your composition for graphic design, it's the same way that Jamie Jones will balance out this painting. Mm-hmm. OK, well, then one is graphic design and one is UI, but then one is one is a digital painting of an environment. What was the relation there? Right. And then, or like, for example, like you, you guys are into photography stuff. I'll look at certain photographer and be like, Oh, the way they, they edit the value and stuff, they're merging the shadows or they're merging the highlights. Well, that's what Craig Mullins does with his painting. He's mm-hmm. creating these shapes. So I'm trying to find relations. And then it's through like studies like that over and over and over again, where, you know, like, Oh shit, I'm realizing these small things like light bulbs are lighting up and you know, throughout time and practices, like adding them to my own work. Yes. The crazy thing about being an artist is it's all earned. <laughs> it, it, it's all earned. Yeah. It's like adding yeah. everything together. I, I don't know. I don't know if anyone can even like that, even, you know, the Kim Jong, Kim Jong-ki, right? Like the, this crazy drawing, line drawing guy. He's drawn, he, he's, he's drawn his whole life. It's like crazy. Hasn't his, he? Yeah. 
Yeah. He has. Yeah. Like people, he's one of the things he says, like, yeah, people think I'm a genius, but I've been drawing since I was like 10 or 13 and like five to 10 hours a day. Yeah. So there you um, go. <laughs> yeah. It's there you go. That's your answer right there. You he's, know? he's completely a self-made person too. And it's really, I love seeing people like him just kind of blow up and take, um, take a lot of good energy cause it's awesome. You know? Yeah. And, and he's, he earned it too. So for sure. And he's, he's also one of those, like, well, hundred percent. No, he's one of those guys who like, you look at his stuff and you know, going back to our thing about like, you're, you're in that art machine. Like his art is not exactly in an art machine. His art is probably not, it doesn't work as concept art in terms of, you know, if a client asked him to do certain like environments or like certain 3d props design, he probably wouldn't be able to turn it out as quick as your fresh art center grad. But the thing is so many people, love his stuff because it's his and it's only he can do it. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is he knows that I think so he built a brand around it, what he does. Yeah. And instead of having to work for clients, he works for fans, fans buy his books. That's his, yeah. that's his ecosystem. Yeah. That's the business of it. I think when you're talking about John Park, John and James, they break, they built brainstorm and brainstorm was a way for them to kind of exchange and share the ideas and the things that they've learned with everybody else and make a mechanism and ecosystem. Same with Mache and I and Andrew, when we first started making uh, learn squared stuff, it's yeah. like making these ecosystems. Cause I personally wanted to find a way to get out of working under clients so much and being dependent on that. Mm-hmm. I also wanted to, I kept getting the same questions. So I was like, well, I got to figure out a way to answer these in a, in a right. viable way. But I, at the same time, that takes so much time and energy. I need an exchange in the form of money, baby. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, yeah. that's the thing, man. You want to not work for a client? Well, the money's going to come from somewhere. <laughs> yes, it is. And, um, you know, like your next client becomes, there's always a client, right? When, cause you're, you're, if you're in a capitalist system, which we are, we don't listen, live in a weird social system or like a system that money isn't important. It's, uh, you're constantly paying for it in some way yeah. or somehow. And that's, definitely um that's it comes from somewhere you know and it's just a matter of finding peace with that like um i remember growing up and before so i guess i i guess the internet wasn't around <laughs> when i was a kid because <laughs> i think back like yeah i guess it wasn't like cell phones weren't around like i guess i'm getting really old it's gotten crazy really fast i'm only 36 i don't think i'm that old but i think that there's so much stuff so much change has happened since my 36 years of being here yeah, mainly due to the internet. The internet really is the second renaissance. The exchange of information has been insane. Um, but before that, it was like, like we talked about it earlier, it's like you you go off and you be an artist and it's like this grueling process where you go to an art college and then, you know, you like you maybe you learn these things and then you like, hopefully you can go like paint a painting for like a baby food commercial or like, you know, baby food, a can of baby food or something weird, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, there wasn't uh, an ecosystem for it. Whereas right now it's, there's never been a better time. It's, it's almost weird to see like people that are, that play video games that make millions of dollars. It's like, <laughs> it's unheard of. I, I'm not going to hate on it. It's just weird. You know, it's like, I, I admire it, man. I'm, I was just like, wow, dude, you, I spent a lot of times in my youth playing a lot of video games. I'm sure. just, damn, I didn't, I didn't make anything out of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the cool thing is, it's like, I think a lot of us, we enjoy watching the, the camaraderie of video games is similar akin to the mental kind of spectrum of like team sports and like sports, basically like yeah. watching 
what you're doing is you're watching somebody accelerate and you're like, yeah. it's cool to watch that. There's a communal sense to that. But a lot of yeah. times most people don't want to take ownership in actually doing things. So yeah. they'd rather watch other people fail. So that creates a community and it makes total sense. Like why like these things happen. I wish I could like have the forethought of going like, I should just play video games and like, but the thing is, and this is a conversation I've had many times with Mache. Mm-hmm. There was this big kind of cash grab that was happening like a couple of years ago. And it was like, oh, we could do gum roads. We do this thing and that, this and that. And like, you make money here and do make, and um, they're all doing it. And I was like, they're like, you should do this. You should do that. And I was like, I would, but I just, I'm not passionate about it, you know? Right. Like, and that's right. my fault that I don't have a passion for it. But my, I think uh, my drive to do this stuff, it doesn't start with money. It just comes from like the pure need of wanting to just make things and be curious about it. But do, do you, I mean, cause now you're, you, you're teaching as well now. And now that's another part of your ecosystem. Do yeah. you find fulfillment and join it? What's the thing that really makes you happy about teaching? Uh, teaching that I think the stress point and the, uh, the, the knowing part is the same as the, the accomplishment is seeing your students grow, right? It's seeing your students not only learn from you, but actually, some, some of them something get, get better than you take what you have <laughs> and yeah take what you have and just like explode into this craziness mm. and then um because I, I don't i don't i don't consider it successful if if they they come out of the class and their work looks like mine yes you know i always you know, said I, that same thing yeah yeah it's 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 like i just they just exactly copy my way my way of thinking and my techniques and everything and that's in my opinion that's the easier easier stuff to do and that's maybe a step that every artist will take eventually at one point in their uh, in their journey but to see students who break that mold it's just it's very very satisfying yeah that's cool that's um i like that that's cool that's a very you like it's a uh, humble it's very humble of you because yeah because you that's one thing i learned when i taught too is that you are giving a part of yourself i learned this from vitaly and vitaly is probably one of the most prolific minded people Monster. <laughs> yeah he's a little he's legit like he's yeah, really he's legit crazy, but the thing i love about him is he's always willing to he's a he's humble <laughs> he's b he's willing to like constantly evolve and the one thing that i really always loved is that he said that when he releases that information, he said it's time to reset. That's right. so much energy, and it's it's um it's really ad- admirable, man. Like it's really cool because, for me at least, um, because I come from a world and a time and a place in my mind that's scarce, where it's like you don't have that abundance. Right. My 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 impulses go to fear base, where I'm like, oh shit, like. I, I I can't share these. I can't share this. Like so many times people ask me like, what render did you use? And I'm like, man, just figure it out. You know, you could figure right. it out. But, um, now I don't care because I know that the, actually the, the, the power in life is sharing, but yeah. it's all in time. You have to share in the right time. You can't share all the time. You gotta share in this just the right times, you know? For sure. Hey man, like I honestly, what, what, what you, what you talk about with Vitaly, that's one of the big reason, um, the motivation for me to finally do the learn square thing is because mm-hmm. it may, it's like, man, maybe I've been using the same technique to do my keyframes and environments for like two years. Like maybe it's time for me to kind of let it go mm-hmm. and kind of just empty my cup a little bit and then maybe pick up something new. If I don't, I don't, but if I do, then great. Like, you know, what do I have to lose? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when you do that, you, you know, I, the other thing I learned about being a teacher was that I learned, um, so much more about the process that I didn't really know. Cause 
um, because a lot of it was based on influence. Like just, I was just doing it based on my impulses. Yep. You know, I wasn't really thinking them through. So when I had to convey and explain them, cause so much of my art is self-taught. So when I had to explain it, I'm like, uh, I don't know. Like just make it cool. I don't, you sit there until it looks less shitty. I, you know, right. so I had to, <laughs> I'd articulate it cause people were like asking these really great questions that I didn't really have answers to because I never really thought about them. Yeah. Um, so it's really complicated, but I, I don't know. Are you going to do more classes or is this kind of like you're going to do this now and then kind of break away and then come back later? Yeah, or? I, I think so. I mean, I think I'm a, I'm still learning some new stuff and just kind of piecing together my, my stuff. So I think my my current big project is just to kind of finish my book. Hopefully I can get it done maybe in the next year, year and a half. And then I can I probably have some energy to tackle the next you know kind of bigger project. But right now, like for the past maybe like eight months, I've been full time freelancing, and it's a it's the first time I've been doing this much freelancing. So it's been pretty good, actually. That's awesome. You were yeah. working at Oats before. Yeah, I worked at Oats, and then after Oats, I went to Microsoft for two years. Actually, I, those two intersect. So I was working four days at Oats, one day at Microsoft for a while, and then it became uh, like three days at Microsoft, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Hmm, okay. Cool. And then freelancing now, huh? Yeah, man. Like, I think we Microsoft released like Gears of War Five, and they're just like, okay, well, we don't, we're not planning to keep so many artists on, and you know, it's just the way the industry is. So then I was like, okay, yeah, no problem. Hmm. Thankfully, I got fucking learn square money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, it's, yeah. No, it was, it was t- very timely. I was super grateful. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's um, freelancing is is wild. It's actually, it's I also. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I, th- I really do believe, I, because I've been doing it for like almost, I don't know, eight, ten years or something now. I right. really do f- firmly believe that it's, it's, it is the way of the future and mainly because it reduces a lot of um, overhead for companies. Um, the, the, the biggest problem I think I see is that there's not a lot of synergy of connectivity between artists inside. But I think yep. a lot of artists, like I'm, I'd imagine you're probably the same, you could still get by by kind of, Skype and screen sharing and stuff like that. It's nothing yeah. like the real thing of sitting next to each other. I probably, I would probably accelerate so much faster. And I'm even considering the possibility of maybe going to a studio at some point just right. so I could literally like suck the life out of everybody. <laughs> Give right. me all your knowledge, you fuckers. Right. Hey, but that, that's only, that's only if you had the fortune of like working with a team like that. That's true. Right? Yeah. If you, if you're yeah. unlucky and you're just working with people who, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go there. Yeah, I would just exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah, I know. But that's, that's true. I didn't even think of that too. Cause I mean, I would just kind of try to find the studio that I could, cause I'd love to make maybe possibly someday work at like, um, like, uh, Pixar or something. Cause there's just an oh, enormous crazy. amount of talent, you know? And I really love, I really, really appreciate the work that they create. It's, it's a very, what would you want to, so. like, what would, what do you think your, your desired role and title would be at a, at a studio like that? I have no p- clue. I don't know what they would <laughs> do with me because I'm so weird. I don't think I would fit in there obviously, but I would just want to like learn from everybody. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. yeah, I don't know if like, is there a studio that you would like to work at or possibly work for? Um, no, there's people I want to work with. Uh, I really want to. Well, I really want to work at Lightstorm because the team there was is pretty mm. crazy. Now your dog is Cameron's pretty crazy. team, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Ch- like, uh, John Park's there, right? Not anymore, but okay. he used he was there. Yeah. And then obviously, I think whatever team John's John's a part of right now would be would be awesome. And 
just I mean, okay, like when you guys were working on Ghost in the Shell, that was like a dream team too. Like that would be an mm-hmm. awesome team to be on. But mm-hmm. even for me, it's like even if that wasn't Ghost in the Shell, like if, if that was like my little pony, I'm pretty sure I still have a lot to learn from you guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. I, I can't even. Um, that was such a serendipitous special. Uh, that was such a wild experience. Really was so. Yeah. Yeah, and it's so true. I think that that time, that whole thing spawned Learn Squared in my mind it was because uh, it was I was trying to learn from a chain and Mache was trying to learn from me right and in my mind I was like why are you trying to learn from me I'm whack dude like teach me your your sweet skills because he was like pumping out wild stuff and then Vitaly would come on and just like throw us all off the boat <laughs> and I'm like what the fuck just submit everyone <laughs> yeah pretty much you know um, it's pretty crazy and I think that there wasn't the cool thing is there wasn't uh, moment where it was competitive in the sense where it was like yeah rah, rah. it was more or less like holy shit that's fucking awesome and like yeah how are you doing that and like how can we like how can we accelerate this you know so um it wasn't even about the project at that point um i think we just wanted to make this really crazy thing and like have fun with it and i was just kind of sitting on the sidelines going like well this is insane <laughs> this is right. so wild and i just felt so privileged to be a part of like witnessing the madness that happened but it's so true it is so true it's like you i think that's that's to my point earlier is like that's probably the the worst part of freelancing is that um you don't have that in-house kind of thing but we didn't do that together we actually were working on it all separately so Mm, i I guess it did kind of work but um yeah i don't know i mean i would love to work with like alberto miogo or something like that like oh yeah people like him or obviously fincher but i think fincher has got such a tribe i really love uh i would i really want to work with uh uh uh, justin kurzel again he Mm. i did assassin's creed with him but i really admire he did Macbeth. have you seen Macbeth? Yeah, I have. Where is he at now? Is he just is he working on any like announced projects? I think he's doing the next Avengers. I'm just joking. I, no, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think he's done with big bigger movies because I think that was like a really maybe I don't know. I I think he's because um, he did this film called Snowtown Murders, which is brilliant. Um, yep. Yeah. Um, but I also love. Uh, I think his name's David Kane in France or Daniel Kane in France. He's. He did um, a place beyond the pines and stuff. So the thing is, I don't want to do the thing we're doing now. I don't want to do these things. I want to do like other things for these guys, like shoot their films or like, I don't know, help them write and build things or like work with the actors. I, it's so fascinating. So right, it's right. like the other part of the film process, which isn't just the concept art. Cause I really appreciate that, but right. I feel like it's almost like concept art is such a, such a thing now that it's almost like, eating itself alive if that makes sense yeah, yeah 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 no i i, I totally see you, man when i was that's why i think when i was working at o studios that experience was so special because first of all, the people there and because the studio was so small you as a concept artist like you really get to see the entire process and see the actors and you know like be a part of the shoot sometimes right it's like wow like i could never imagine any other like I honestly, I can't imagine like let's say uh, James Cameron to be like, hey you, like we need somebody on, on set. Why don't you just stand there and and <laughs> you know act like you're like a servant or you're busy or something. <laughs> you never know. You never know. Yeah, or like here today, put on. And yeah, true. I know. I, I'm not there, so I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they do that. So, yeah, yeah, put on a put on a mocap suit today. We're gonna do some crazy shit. It's like, oh wow, okay. The funny thing is with with 
um, films is it's almost always like that. It's like it's, but it's just so well disguised and hidden that uh-huh. you just don't know. <laughs> I <laughs> see. So much, so many things are just like bubble gum together, you know. So yeah, yeah, yeah. but that's sure. cool. I mean, like, cause Neil is, is quite a prolific guy, and he's been. I mean, he's self built guy, right? I mean, he's been around yeah. for a long time and has had like some crazy experiences i imagine so i think isn't oats his response to the industry and him wanting to make his own thing is that what it is yeah man like it's it's it was like it's pretty crazy to just to hear his idea just because you're like wow this is like something that like us like concept artists will have like oh i want to make a personal project but except you're taking like 10 million dollars and you're making a personal project <laughs> i'm <laughs> yeah. just staying at my room drawing a picture a book or whatever but you're you're t- you're actually doing real shit so it's it's pretty crazy. Yeah, his, that, that was his, almost I wouldn't say it's a fuck you, but it's like a it's like a hey man, like Hollywood, I would like to take some creative control back into, you know, my own work. Yeah, it's quite yeah. beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it's cuz it's like um I think it comes from the roots of him creating and uh I feel somewhat similarly akin to that. It's like I just want to make things. I don't want to have to ask people and um so much of the Hollywood system is is the Hollywood system, unfortunately, is still ha- has the gatekeeper mentality. Yeah, um, and that's going away. It honestly is going to fade probably in the next five years. I think maybe seven years, um, because the reason why I think that is is because um, Netflix and Amazon and Hulu and all the new mechanisms are in place, and they thrive and only work off of having content that's rewatchable because that's right. how they work and. The thing is they're not going to care so much as Hollywood would for like the gate system. So more people are going to have the chance to do these things. Unfortunately, there's a lot of bad stuff being made. So it's just a matter of time until like, you know, the days of like the George Lucas and Star Wars, I think is done for unfortunately, but there's new things coming, you know, so there's quite a few, there's a lot of really great things. I was watching a show that really didn't get any light at all. It was called, um, Escape from Danamara. Have you seen that? Show? No, I have. Is it on? Is it on Netflix or? It's on Showtime. So it's like okay. the, one of the oddities, I guess. And, but um, it's it's got um Paul Dano in it and uh, uh, Benicio del Toro, and it's like it's freaking oh, so good. It's so so good. But yeah, nobody really really talked about it. I was always surprised because it was so fucking good. But I like weird stuff too. So um, but it's a crazy it's, cast, man. A, yeah, Dano's yeah. amazing. He's yeah, he's like at the top of his game. So. But, um, yeah, I don't know, but crazy. There's so much content, but do you, what do you think about this stuff with like Netflix and stuff and the difference of Hollywood? Cause you, I mean, working at Oats, uh, I think is, in my opinion, from looking at it as an outside observer, it's like, that is, that place thrives on the idea of like trying a new system basically. Yeah. And I think, uh, well, my opinion on the, I think it's all great to me as somebody who, you know, I'm a freelancer. I'm from Canada. I'm not in the U.S. Like the the less gatekeep there is in Hollywood, the the better it is for me. So, you know, yeah. I don't have it. And plus, like the thing is, this is one of the thing again get get into. Uh, you know, maybe sometimes a debate or conversation with students is like, as someone like me, I I don't I didn't I didn't finish art center, which means I don't have a college degree, which means the chances of me working in the U.S. and getting a visa is very very low. It, <laughs> it's, it's next to impossible. So yeah. that's something you have to consider. So like, hey, if there's no gatekeeper. Man, I love it. And recently there's been like recent year, there's been a few uh, production designers that, you know, keeps them coming back. So I think it's just like art. It just takes time to build up your 
you know, your circle and, you know, people who likes your work and you, you know, you, you have good chemistry together. Yeah. It, it, yeah. And a lot of it is like you said earlier, it's like, it's connections. It's all about your connections and, and, yeah. and, 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 and who, you know, and how you know them and how you work with them and how that's such an important part too. I think, I think it flips, right? Like in the beginning, it's all portfolio. And then <laughs> yeah. after five, 10 years, it's all connection. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, and then it's also just a matter of like, um, making sure that you're learning and that you're growing and that you're surrounded with the right people, you know? Right. So, so much of the tribe is about finding those people and working with them and connecting with them. I think, um, there it's so, so, so key. The people right. that have taught me the most in my life have been people that, um, I, I, that I've been able to try and, uh, like work with, you know? Um, right. and it, there's just such a, such an interesting thing. There's, there's, there's such a long list of talent out there. It's awesome. It's really cool. Oh, I'm yeah. a great time. I mean, I'm, I think one of the things that, uh, for me, I, cause I'm right now I'm freelancing. So a lot of times I do, I guess I get out of touch with the people I used to work with and, you know, my, my coworker back in the days and stuff like that. And I think that's just the nature of freelancing. You, you just kind of get stuck in your own bubble a lot of times. So that's something that I'm trying to actively, uh, you know, kind of improve on and do better and just make sure I check up on people and still have like creative conversations and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's tough to do if, if you're not keeping up with it. <laughs> Cause sometimes yeah, you ever like, feel, yeah. I mean, you've been, you've been doing it for a decade, right? Like how, how do you deal with that? <laughs> I just, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I mean, I try to just do whatever feels natural. Um, mm. cause I don't ever try to have this like agenda of like, I gotta do this to do that. And, right. but it's, it's so difficult, you know? So it's like a nice mix, I guess. And as long as I think, I think it all, for me personally, I don't know, again, I don't, I wouldn't follow my advice, but it all, all my advice comes from just like following personal happiness, mm-hmm. daily growth and like just constantly going. So like always being in the flux, the learning curve, basically, you're always like right in the middle of that learning curve of uncomfortable, yeah. but like comfortable. I don't know. So, yeah. And like trying weird things. I remember when I decided to get into photography I was like, well, well here we go. <laughs> it's like, right. I mean, because uh, I didn't, I was getting so tired of people saying that I was like this designer guy that I, I didn't even know what that was. So I was like, right. well, I'm going to do this. Here you go. <laughs> and then <laughs> I was like, I'm going to draw milk your solid poster. It's like, it doesn't, it's for me, it doesn't matter. It's like, mm. it's like whatever you're most happy about and whatever brings you happiness. It's like, that's what I try to follow. But again, you, that's not good advice, I think. <laughs> but do you, do you think you have this thing where maybe like in a sense you're trying to do new things and your your happiness comes from almost like proving other people like wrong? Do you ever get that? Sure, I guess so. Yeah, I don't know if I, um, I don't know if that, maybe I, maybe that's true, yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah, know, I'm just, I'm just sharing you like, hey man, like if, if I don't, sometimes if people keep on saying that like, hey man, I've been seeing a lot of, I don't know, sci-fi from you and I, in my head I'm like, well. Well, I can do other stuff too, you know. Like, I'm not this <laughs> so a lot, a lot of my my pieces are driven by by competition a little bit, and, and, and sure. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say that's the kind of the irony of like being a Geiger, for example, like H.R. Geiger or whatever, however you say his yeah. name. It's like imagine like the irony of him trying to go off and do something else. Like the, the thing is, he can't, or like the concept artist that helped develop Metal Gear Solid. Like the, right. the it's a good and a bad thing. Like you know, it's him but he can't do anything else if he wanted to, he could, you know, um, and go off. Like what if he started making like house music or something, you know, <laughs> yeah, <that would laughs> it's, it's like, what, you know? Um, but 
I don't know, like life is so multi-spectrum and so wild and there's so much cool things to do. I don't know. Speaking of Metal Gear Solid, I, I recently, I mean, yesterday I I bought the, uh, do you you keep up with the game industry? There's, you know, Kojima came up with the Death Stranding game like Mm -hmm. a few months ago. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I didn't, I didn't get the chance to play the game, but I bought the art book yesterday and I was, I I bought yesterday too. Oh, really? (laughs) Awesome. That's ironic. (laughs) Yeah. crazy man oh my god like yeah. i love you still see like okay there's some middle gear solid in there for sure yes but oh, tons of it and like the legs yeah t- in the legs like in the leg gear of the guys yeah. they have that like the leg assist kind of things looks yeah. like, <laughs> it's almost exactly i was, I was like can they get away with this like yeah know, yeah <laughs> yeah but the, the cool thing about that artist i forget his name but he, he it looks like he works so roughly and loosely so he's yeah. very gestural so he's kind of like what Kim G uses, like where he's yeah. kind of using his subconscious to feed his hand yeah. and use happy accidents. Uh, and then he like the brilliance is usually where most people would fail is he succeeds where he kind of pulls it all together and you go, Oh shit. Like it was a part of this thing. And that's such a weird mechanism. And yeah, yeah, I, 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 um, my friend Toros plays the death stranding game and I think he played, um, a little bit when I was hanging out with him and I was like, wow, it's, it's stunning looking, stunning, 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 stunning. It's great. Um, it looks really weird though. Like FedEx of the future or something. I don't know. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> the concept of it, I heard is very, it's a bit controversial. Like people enjoy it. People don't, but I mean, that's a gameplay. That's cool. Yeah. That's, yeah. The design of it is yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah. It looks really stunning and it looks like a, a typical awesome, like Kojima experience where it's just like a bunch of madness, wildness and, um, oh man, I, I wish I played games more. I, I, I bought this game called Grease. I think it's called G R I S. Have you heard of it? No, you should check it out. I think you'd probably like it. It's stunning, stunning. So it's G R I S. It's a video game oh. for switch and stuff, but it's all illustrative kind of beautiful. Oh wow. Um, it's, it looks crazy. It's super beautiful. And yeah. I bought it like shit, like a month or like four months ago or something. It's sitting on my nightstand at my bed. And I'm supposed to play it, but I get so distracted with other things. I feel okay. like I could either play a game or I could like, go learn how to be an artist, a better artist or something. So it's like so right. difficult for me. Do you play games? Uh, here and there, but I play games just to procrastinate. It's I don't like that. Like, like you said, like you do feel that shit. I'm wasting time or there's, <laughs> you know, there's things I could do. That's probably more, you know, even if it's just reading a book or sitting there thinking about your art or whatever, it's still more productive for the most part. Um, it's beautiful though. I mean, games are so epic now and I kind of equate it to like sitting there watching a movie or something. It's the same kind of privilege. But again, like I said, it's like, you got to fill your brain with stuff, you know, like, yeah, it's, you also got to see what, what other people are doing. Like these yeah. are like hundred million dollar project, maybe not Grizz, but like, let's say Death Stranding is probably like a hundred million, $50 million project. I think that like game's what, way more than that. I would imagine, right? Let's see. Pro, the amount of promotion they're doing is crazy. But yeah, like it's 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 just what are they doing with that kind of money and pushing it that far? Yeah, okay, it's a hundred million. I thought it was more than uh, that. I thought video games cost way more than movies. So yeah, hundred million. Damn, man. That, I was reading. I love reading through their some of the tech stuff, and I think they started out with like a four man team. It's, <laughs> it's so cool. It's just nuts. <laughs> yeah, and maybe one day. Kojima is so deep in this stuff, you know, like, cause I mean, yeah, he's Metal Gear and stuff. He's been around way before that too. It's crazy because yeah. he looks young, but he's obviously, he can't be that. I think he's in his fifties. Let me see. 
Kojima. He's 56. Yeah. 56. Wow. He's, he looks super young. <laughs> yeah. He's got what that the hell? Sweet Japanese face, man. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's such a rad dude though. Such a creative, um, powerhouse. They're so unique. And I love that. Um, like he, I feel like he rests a lot on his subconscious, um, and pulls a lot from the ether inside of his mind, his imagination yeah. and stuff. It's, it's cool because, um, there's very, I don't think that anybody makes things like he does. I think that's yeah. a big appeal, you know? So I yeah. have yet to play that game, but I've played other games of his that, and I really enjoyed them. So, um, but the, I love, I love the idea. I love feeling an, uh, a person's, uh, creation. Like you could sense like, Oh wow, there's a person behind this, you know, like right. whether you like it or not, I think it's really cool because well, it's all decisions, you know? So it's also crazy how like it's, it's not just, he's not just a single artist. He's really directing yes. what's in his head. Right. And then for a team of hundreds of people to know what he wants and then deliver that over the span of like five years, that's just insane to me. That's such a process. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a lesson that I learned from Paul Thomas Anderson. He was saying that when he writes his stories, he's a really great writer. When he writes his scripts, yeah. he kind of writes down what he wants the actor to do. But then when he gives his script to say, uh, Joaquin Phoenix, Joaquin Phoenix is going to take it and go off and do something else with it. Right. And, um, there's a part of the process where you release that ownership and you give it to other people. And there's this beautiful, beautiful thing that happens there where the art kind of evolves there, but it's only in the right circumstances can that happen. And it's like a, it has to be a flourishing situation, you know? So, right. but I think with Kojima, it seems like he has a really strong team of producers and artists. And, um, he has like guys like Del Toro in his corner and stuff like that. I think kind of, yeah, help facilitate this thing. And obviously he's really um, like hooked on working with that one American actor from walking dead too. So uh, yeah. What's his name? name. Ah, damn. It like Mad, <laughs> Mads, the other guy, like the, um, yeah. the one guy, but yeah, it seems like a really interesting game. I, I want to play it. Um, I don't know if I will in the re- near future, Man, but I, I bought the, that, the art book too. The art book looks so red. So yeah. it's so crazy. Yeah. It's gold. Like the pages are gold. It's crazy, man. Whoa. Everybody, you should buy it. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. If you like concept art or just like art in general or like creative stuff, there's some books. Like I remember when I bought the district nine art book and I was like, what oh, yeah. the shit? Like this is crazy. Cause yeah. Weta was like this. I mean, still is has powerhouse of like crazy creatives and stuff. And you can tell like the art just kept getting better and better over there. Cause it's just like so wild. Um, yeah, there's so much epicness in that book, but I remember as a kid growing up and I, one of the first books I got was the art of star Wars. And I was like, what the fuck? This is insane. Which one? It was for empire strikes back. It was the original, original book. Um, Oh my God. (laughs) And I was like, what there, you can do this. This is what people do. People can do this for a living. I got to do this. Uh, it was like my calling. I finally saw it. So I can only imagine what it would be like if I was myself back then. And I would see you say like your work or John Parks or Maché's work or something. I'd be like, holy shit, this is crazy. You know? So yeah, it's I hope so. yeah. quite a, quite a beautiful time. It really, really is. I kind of, I try to look at it as this amazing second Renaissance cause it's so great. Yeah. But yeah. yeah crazy. Um, Damn. Okay. We, sorry. I didn't mean to go over time. We can kind of kept rolling with it, but oh, no worries. I, I wanted to talk before we wrap, I wanted to talk a little bit more about your class, the things that I really like and appreciate. And, uh, I didn't want this to be a promotion for your class necessarily, but at the same time, like I also wanted to talk about it because your class has given me some really cool things and some reminders. Some of the mm-hmm. things that I felt were really necessary to talk about is building up from 
like your process is a fundamental process and it's about starting from a base and kind of working from there and then building out from there and then using tools and tricks. I wouldn't even say tricks or just tools to kind of manifest these things. When you're building this out, when you're building the class, is this, is this kind of like, did you know that this was, you're going to go from A to B to Z or did Mo help you work that out? Or how did you kind of conceive of it? Um, I just, honestly, it was a, once I decided I was going to do the class, it was a fairly quick process of, I was honestly, I was on the, I was on a train in Taiwan and I took out my iPad and I started writing. And after, you know, after I got to Taipei, it was a two hour train ride. I was like, okay, I have something I sent to Momo and Momo was like, okay, well, as long as you can break each of the videos down into maybe like a 10 to 15 minute chunk, yeah. I think we can do it. So I was like, okay, cool. Like obviously they're the, they're the professionals of making classes and videos and they know like people's attention span and everything. So let me try to break down my process even more. So I think before I would have combined a lot of this stuff, a lot of knowledge, but it really forced me to be like, okay, well, if this video, I'm only going to talk about my sketches, like how would I go about it? And really kind of just, and it's, a, it's really, it's a challenge because I, I was like, I, a lot, like you said, a lot of times you do things and it's your subconscious. You don't really know why you're doing it. So I had to think about it and just, okay, like step A, B, C, D, E, F. And if you do everything correct, you should have an image at the end and, you know, hopefully you're happy with it. Yeah. I, I'll be honest with you. Like, I'm not exactly happy with like what I came up with for the class, like as an art piece. But the thing is I recorded it, I talked over it and I think as an, as a knowledge base, I got, you know, what I want out of it. And that's, you know, it is what it is, right? Yeah, definitely. As a student of your class, I, I think the things that I'm taking from it is, uh, the, process principles because some of the things that you taught is similar to like how John was teaching Mache was teaching some things it's just a different approach but it's very similar and yeah. the cool thing is like extracting that information and seeing the the because um seeing the, the 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 way you do it and then the way that everybody else does it there's these different little things that I take and go oh that's interesting that because like last night I um I got a new computer recently so I nice. re- erased everything but last night after your class I I went in and like learned all like my keyboard shortcuts again and like I set it up so it's like I'm left-handed so I set everything up to kind of be ergonomically fast for me so and I've never used the mixer brush and I was like holy shit this is fucking rad so like yeah yeah so you've introduced me to those things and like those are like um Akviz um I know that Machay has been telling me about this forever so I purchased that last night too because I was using another thing I can't remember what it was called but that really helps a lot too because if you use photos and, and and so if like the way that I found is like if you use 3D combined with some photos and then ActVis and then some painting together, like you yeah. actually can make this really harmonious thing. Yeah, um, man. And yeah, it's the it's that's it. I, I think like I think even <laughs> yeah. I, I I might have mentioned in the class I haven't I haven't watched it in a while, but like it's it's um it's just it's knowing kind of knowing in your head like 80 percent where you're going to go, like what you want to find out to look like. Yeah. And then you kind of just map out like, okay, well then I can use photo and then act and then paint over like 50% of it. And I should be there. Mm-hmm. Right. But then because you know that final result, you can also be like, well, maybe I'll use 3d instead of using photo or I'll use, I'll just paint and then I'll use like bits of photo or maybe I'll use like bits from, uh, you know, I don't know, like my other work or whatever, just to get some color sample here and there. And it really is not like a linear, a linear workflow. 
And you know what? Tony things. One of the I remember one of the one of the student asked me, and that this kind of like put me, in you know, kind of you know, in shock for a little bit. He's like, she was like, hey, uh, just wondering, like, if you can't use fog and light and god rays and and stuff and atmosphere in your paintings, like, how would you do it? I'm like, oh shit, man. Like, ah, I've been <laughs> I've been utilizing all those for so long. How do I answer you? And then I I kind of had to reframe it. Like, okay, well, let me think about it. Let me take you know, it's kind of like take a little bit from my own class. I want the final result to look like this. Therefore I would, I would apply it and approach it A, B and C. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's and again, and back to it, that's the, that's the joy of working with students and having students teach you and show you things. Cause challenge you a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> challenge you totally, you know, yeah. it's like shit. And that's, that's, there's a total gem to that because it is so challenging. Um, and it's oftentimes I think it's so easy for artists to go kind of rogue inside themselves and not want to like grow and change. Cause it's, it, it's painful, you know, to acknowledge that you don't know things, especially yeah. when you should, Yeah, it's painful. And you also kind of feel like a crook because you're getting paid to do these things. And <laughs> yeah, you know, so it's like, I get it. I get why people feel that way, you know? So um, but it's actually a really great thing. So I think cause it's, if you want to, if you want to be really good, then there's, then every day you have to acknowledge that you, there's, there's so many more people that know better than you and are, you have to be willing to learn from them. So, but yeah, I've really enjoyed it and I, and good. I've really been enjoying, I'm on lesson three. I'm like halfway through lesson three cool. and I'm just watching it first and then I'm going to start. I mean, I watch it, I watch all your lesson and I kind of just observe it and then I go, yeah after that, which is different. I used to just kind of watch and then kind of go along with it. I'm watching yep. your class and then taking all my notes and then, and I'll see, I'm going to try and apply it to this weird thing. So maybe some art you see in like three months, maybe. So <laughs> okay. have some cool, of it. Man. So hey, I really want to like, get back into painting. So yeah, honestly, dude, like I think it's, it's so crazy that, you know, someone like you is actually taking my class and that was awesome. I just, I learned a lot. It. Yeah, like you're super humble and, you, you know, like a lot, I think a lot of people who you get to a certain level, you don't want to learn and you don't want to, you know, you just don't want to apply new things. But I think what, what you're doing is always just like, hey, you know what? I don't care. I'm just going to just learn and apply it, feed it back to my own workflow. It's crazy, man. It's so important, man. And I appreciate <sighs> that. So, yeah. So thank you for being here on the podcast. Thank you for also making your class mm -hmm. and for being rad. Do I appreciate it. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what you create and yeah, cheers to the, cheers to the, to the future. All right, there it is, everybody. I hope you all enjoyed it. Thank you so much to Steve for coming on and taking his evening out to share some time with us. Uh, you can find notes for the shows, uh, this, ep this week's episode at the slash two twenty four. uh, along with links to our Facebook, Twitter, and iTunes podcast page. So that's going to be it. I hope you guys uh, got something great out of it. I did. Thank you again so much, Steve. You guys go out there and be amazing. Be out there. Go, go be powerful. Be prolific. Peace out, everybody. <laughs>